So Jesse, here I've been thinking about all the situations I get myself into, and it's always reef-related. I mean, I've taken nerdiness to a whole new level, and I feel like the only way I'm ever going to fit in with society is if I start doing something that's more normal, like getting a girlfriend. A girlfriend is a very good idea for you, Mark. It did seem like it was something normal people would appreciate. Yeah. Now, where are you finding these girls? Well, I wanted to keep it simple and safe because, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, you know. So I'm thinking what I need is a Facebook girlfriend. A, excuse me? A Facebook girlfriend? Yeah, I figure that's a really good place because I have lots and lots of friends. And here's what I'm thinking. I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed or, or take it so seriously to where they start freaking out and they want to run for the hills. So what about putting like a time limit on it? Yeah, that's healthy. <laughs> it leaves options, right? It's like... Is it is it a time limit like they have to return the movie to the video store before the end of five days or is it a time limit like what what is what is this is it like do they poof do you what happens <laughs> well you know here's the thing I love of the week and I do that with articles I do that with topics and I figured what about a Facebook girlfriend of the week so does this girlfriend of the week have one week to impress you well yeah see here's the thing i can meet 52 different amazing women during a one-year time okay and each girl gets all my attention for that week each girl gets all your attention for that week on facebook or in real real life are we talking like phone calls here and dates or what are we doing i called them facebook girlfriends for a reason so they only get loving via Facebook. Yeah, they're already on there anyway. All right. All right. I can I can see the this. So like how do you express love, Mark? Are you going Hey, to be, it's a start. Are you going to, are you going to be liking <laughs> every one of their pictures? Are you going to basically become their Facebook stalkers? No, I don't want to do stalking, but they can stalk me if they want. Hmm. All right. All right. I mean, here, let's let's go back a little bit with history here. I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to state names, but I've already done this twice. I've had two <laughs> different Facebook girlfriends. <laughs> now, the first one, she lasted for about a month, I'd say. And Which it was ended, too long, right? It ended badly. It was a crash and burn. So I don't want to repeat that mistake. So a month Which too is long. a reason why one week sounds better. Gotcha. Okay. So a month... Okay. Too long, crash and burn, Mark's heart got crushed. The second time, it only lasted three hours. Three hours. Which was too short. It was crazy. We were in this hot relationship for three hours and poof, it was over. Too short. Yeah. She could have been the one. I can see how between three hours and 30 days, you settled on a week. Yeah. And I like the idea of 52 different women in a year. Everybody does. (laughs) That's what she said. All right. All right, Mark. So, and you know, I'm trying to be more in tune with what women want. So I watched 500 Days of Summer, and now I got relationships down, too. I'm set. I understand how it what all works. What's that about, movie about? Uh, relationships and um, whether you could, if there's even such a thing as the one or not. Mark, don't watch 500 Days of Summer. I've never seen it, but do not use that as a guide to women. 
Oh, it was a great movie. If you want to see a guide to women, watch like um, I don't know something. Oh, P.S. I love you. <laughs> Actually, I did see that, and I don't even remember how it went. I I veto that advice. By the way, no good. Yeah, I would stick with Five Hundred Days of Summer, hands down. Right. <laughs> it was a good movie. All right. Anyway. Okay, so. <laughs> You don't sound like you're really on board, Jesse. And you know the no, best I'm, part well, is best you get friend. to be the first one. Really? Yes. I'm gonna be typing you sweet nothings. It's gonna Mark, be awesome. Are you serious? After three years of me pursuing you on on hot on your heels, I finally get to have you for a week. For a week, for seven days, 168 awesome hours. Wow, that I don't think is it. I don't think I can pass that up. It's a perk of being part of Reef Addicts. Wow, I, I, I just I'm, I'm default because I'm there and I am a girl. That's so why now, you choose me, Mark. This is how you want to start our Facebook relationship by telling me that I am your default girl because I'm there. No, I'm saying that you deserve the honor of the first one of the new year of fifty-two women. <laughs> You know that that's going to make me bitter for every single one that comes after me, and I'm never going to be able to like any of them, right? That, or I'll be measuring all of them up against you. <laughs> I like that better. All right. And, you know, they might on. not measure up. You might end up, you know, becoming a repeat. Who knows? All right. This is getting a little bit too tempting. For all of you that don't know... I have a secret crush on Mark Levinson, and I've had it for years, since, like, the first time I met him. Mark has absolutely no attraction to me whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're ruining the whole dream behind this premise here. Calm down. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say this with a straight face. Because <laughs> it's totally not true, everybody. I have absolutely Isn't no it good that we're doing audio here? I know. <laughs> I have no romantic feelings towards Mark Levinson whatsoever, so I no, think this she does week, not. This first week is going to be him trying to win me over because little do you know, he's had a secret crush on me since yeah. we first met. At, was it Max or Rifa Palooza? It was Max. At Max in two thousand seven. I seem to remember proposing to you almost within mere days of meeting you. Yeah, I think it was true. I showed you a picture that I liked, and you were like, she's my girl. Yep, I remember that. And then I said, Mark, it'll never work out. You live in Dallas, I live in San Diego, and I'm not ever moving anywhere for any man. Yeah, and so that, that ended it really quickly. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think but you... see, now we can have this relationship over Facebook, and we can trade pictures and update each other's statuses and be in relationships. So it's going to be You're awesome. Me that I have to give back to you this week? I thought it was all about me. No, it's all about me. I actually have to, like... Actually, I guess it could be about each other. I mean, that would seem more fair. I thought that I was just going to get all kinds of Facebook love, and that was it. Yeah, but so you know, I, I need motivation to too. This so is not looking so wonderful. You're going to have to work for it a little bit. I'm going to have to work for it. I think it's a good trade-off. You know, I think that both people should be involved in the relationship. Each one giving, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that works out really well. So I have to like. All right, Mark. All right, I'll tell you this. What are your list of demands? Let's do it. Let's look yeah, at that for a second. My list of demands. You have to actually sincerely make me go, oh, if you make me do that for every, oh, you pull out of me, I will post one super nice heartfelt comment 
on something of yours on Facebook. If because that way I like that. That way you're you still have to initiate it because you're the guy. Guys need to step up and like start wooing girls again because that's just messed up the way the world is. Right I totally now. agree. I think wooing is good. All right, so you woo me and I will respond in kind. All right. I also demand. What do I demand? <laughs> I demand a good morning every day. That's easy. It's always 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I can do that. I do not sleep until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Lies. No, 2 o'clock my time. <laughs> We're in different time zones. Come on, let's be real here. All right, well, I want a good morning, and it has to be complimentary, not just good morning. And yeah. what else do I want? I want every time there's a picture of me put up, you have to make or say something that you find pretty and ask me if they're new earrings and new things like that. You have to notice my clothes and my hair and compliment them. You're saying this stuff like it's difficult. This is all easy stuff. Aww. Mark, okay, hold on. <laughs> let, let me think. Um, what else can I ask for? Um... <laughs> Um, I don't know. Okay, I, so that's it. No, we're well, not going to drag really this thing out forever standards. because we I've have seven really, days of wonderfulness ahead of us. I have really low standards. I've dated some really jerky guys. So just getting like regular compliments and regular communication is about the bar right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, so, that's, that's kind of like my standard. I'm, yeah, you're I'm, saying that it's actually pretty easy to please you right now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. I might as well have one that's not super tricky to start this off with because obviously I'm going to have to learn all kinds of things about myself as I stretch out and try to make myself yeah, approachable true. to others. Work your way up to the, uh, you know, work your way up to the unicorns. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to being a girlfriend, I think. Sounds good. What happens when we break up? Do I get to break up with you? Uh, I think it'll be mutual. By then. <laughs> so you're already predicting that I'm not going to like impress you and you're not going to actually want to continue this relationship? Oh, no, it's not a prediction at all. It's it's a seven-day limit. That that's We go into this thing knowing it's seven days. That way, we understand. Did you no ever see that hurt. movie Sweet November? Yes, I did. What happens when you want to be more than November, Mark? You become December. Uh-huh. I'm going to be your two-week girlfriend. <laughs> Like I said, repeats are not ruled out, but, you know, I'm trying to get myself out there. I'm trying to try something different. I guess I should mention I'm not married because people people keep thinking I'm married for some reason. So I don't want people to start thinking I'm just committing adultery 52 weeks out of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, Mark. I will agree to be your very first Facebook girlfriend of 2010. I have demands, too. You haven't even heard my demands. So, yeah, I haven't even heard your list of demands. I'm sorry. I forgot. Men actually have needs in relationships, too. That's so... It, it's just amazing the way you think. You're just, you're just like, so in tune. Hey, I, you know what? I'm bitter, okay? I don't really care at this point in time. I'm... Well, I cannot wait to date you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into my relationship woes on another podcast i have plenty of them yeah after the big breakup then you can talk about it i'm not even in a relationship oh you're after a, our a breakup? big breakup yeah that's right okay i'm sorry 
Well, yeah, you got to remember, you you are forgetting about our seven days of bliss. I know. I'm sorry. When does it start? Because I'm not in a relationship yet. I It'll start when the podcast is released. All right. I haven't heard your demands yet. I haven't agreed to this. Right. Well, I've got very specific needs. Okay. You have to like reef tanks. Check. Okay. That was easy. You have to be willing to clean a skimmer occasionally. Check. But I realize that might be difficult being a Facebook girlfriend. But others could post a picture of cleaning a skimmer. Yes. That could work. Um, you have to focus on me a little bit because that's the thing I didn't like about previous relationships in the past is that I was always put last on the list, and I hate that. Check. I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. And you can't cheat on me. What's considered cheating? Oh, my God. Okay, are we going to talk about positions or? <laughs> like, am I not allowed to say that somebody else's Facebook picture is cute during this seven period, seven days? No, you can still be human. I uh, can still be human. Okay. <laughs> am I allowed to go out on dates while I'm in this Facebook relationship? Well, that does seem rather rude. So no dating this week. I would think that that would be inappropriate. You expect me to go out on dates with other people while I'm dating you on Facebook? I don't know. Facebook is kind of surreal and not real life. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We're Superhero City players, too. I mean, that's real. <laughs> Shh, Mark, you're not supposed to tell everybody how big of a nerd I am. Seriously, <laughs> I have some kind of chick karma to hold on to. You do have to remember I said that I was already too nerdy and I'm trying to be normal, but I can't leave out the other things that make me the nerd that I am today. Well, don't bring I mean, me I down. record don't a freaking podcast. Huh? <laughs> That's too late. I record a freaking podcast. Come on, I can't be much more nerdy than that. Don't drag me down with you. I still have cool points. Yes, you do. Okay. Um, I don't have any other demands. That's it. Those are pretty simple. Oh, well, I already checked those off, so you're good. Yeah, so we're good. All right. See, there's right. no reason to... I mean, obviously, the person... If, oh, oh, if there's oh, others oh. in the future... And you officially mm -hmm. have to, like, ask me. You have to ask me. Because, like... You have to ask me. Because I've been in relationships before. <laughs> where I didn't know if I was in a relationship or not. We're going through the motions, and... There was no titles given, so I actually need, like, you to virtually get down on your knee and ask me to be your Facebook girlfriend of the week. Well, you have to be logged into Facebook. Oh, 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 we're doing this over Facebook right now? Are you serious? <laughs> of course. Oh my gosh, I'm logging in. Hold on. Facebook.com. <laughs> Go. All right. I'm on Facebook. Where are you? There you are. Boom. Will you be my Facebook girlfriend this week? Aw, <laughs> Aw, yeah, sure. I'll... Oh, I, I just thought of one demand. No, we already walked <laughs> in demands. No, there's one demand. It's, it's imperative or this doesn't work. Hold on. Okay, well, I haven't sent my answer yet, so fire away. <laughs> so this is your chance to back out and run like hell. Okay. You have to update your status on Facebook for that week that you're in this relationship with me. Whether it's it's complicated, <laughs> but it can't just be this. Oh, sure we are, but it's all fake and no one knows. All right, I'll do the Facebook status. You might get some crazy questions from some family members or 
current dating relationships that I'm involved in, but uh, or you if could... you're willing to, you know, filter through that muck, I'll change it. Or you could turn around and you could tell them to listen to this podcast and they'll understand completely. True that. Okay, I'm making this official. <laughs> Don't make me hit enter! <laughs> I hit enter, everybody. I answered, yes, right. I'll be your Facebook girlfriend this week. It's time for you to go check your profile page. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to capture this window for all time. So I'm going <laughs> to put this on Reef Addicts. So that everybody can see what my Facebook looked like at that time where I said yes. All right, it's captured. Nice. Hold on. You now, were, you I noticed that you you timed this perfectly to where it would land over Valentine's Day. <gasps> oh my gosh, you're going to be my Valentine too? See how well that worked out for you? You don't understand. I was getting so bummed because the guy that I'm dating right now is totally not going to be my Valentine. You're not dating anyone right now. It's me. Sorry, because you're right. I'm not dating anyone else. I am so hurt right now. I think I'm ready to break up. No, Mark. I'm serious. It was the guy that I was dating before you did not uh -huh. want to be my Valentine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hear me, sweetie pie? I do. Honey I punch? hear you, baby. Schnookums. <laughs> all right so that's it we're we're official okay so now everything else in the future is gonna be all lovey-dovey and no one else has to hear that part because it's just gonna make them sick they want to hear more about reef addicts what's going on so let's transition to our next segment well reef addicts we have a guest on our podcast this month uh laura Birnbaum. 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 Beer and bum. Are you, are you trying to egg me on? Beer and bum. Laura Beer and bum. Beer and bum. That girl <laughs> from Ice Cap is with us. And uh, so she's going to be possibly chiming in if you hear a, a third female. <laughs> third female? Thank you. Nice. <laughs> wow. I'll remember that. Sorry, Mark. That was completely a Freudian slip, I promise you. If you hear a third person, second female voice on this <laughs> podcast, that'll be Laura. Laura, say hello to everybody. Hello, Reef Good to be here. Hello, Laura. Thanks for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. And Laura, why don't you take a second and tell us what is new? What's happening new with Ice Cap? Something that no one knows. What? nobody knows about yet well you guys right. have heard about our reef illumination fixtures that came out um around the time of macna i did see those at macna i think Stephen pro walked me through them and they looked pretty neat they have uh t5s and leds and metal halides all in the same fixture don't they yeah we have two versions of the reef illuminations we have the reef illumination with t5s and leds and we have the reef illumination with metal halides t5s and leds uh, they come, the LED strips come in tubes, the T5 tubes, and we've also created a new product where the T5, um, these LEDs are taken out of the fixture and they are a plug-and-play LED retro that people can retrofit into their canopies or onto the sides of existing fixtures. Now these LEDs, they're not like moonlights, right? Because everybody has LED moonlights. What is so special about these LEDs? They're like, uh, they're more powerful. They're obviously, there's a lot of them, right? There's like, how many LEDs in a, in a retrofit? For the four-foot LED retro, 
there are 75 LED emitters in the tube. And the tube is the same size as a normal T5, but it's not a T5 tube. It actually has an aluminum-thinned heat sink built into the back of this plastic tube. And because there's so many LED emitters in each tube, it creates a beautiful, even blue spread across your tank while still giving some of the glitter lines that are, you know, famous with point source lights. Nice! So you can basically have um, the actinic supplementation of a T5 or the, the space that a T5 takes up and still get the, uh, the glittering effects of metal halides and only use certain tiny amount of electricity to do so. Yes, these are very low wattage, low voltage um, LEDs. There's virtually no heat produced by them, um, but they produce a beautiful twilight effect, so much so that I have them over my own tank in the reef illumination fixture. Um, they are about 7.5 watts per tube, and while in the reef illumination fixture, they do have the bi-pin configuration like a T5 bulb, they run off of a completely separate power source, and we have each end cap labeled specifically for the LEDs. If you try to put this LED tube into a normal T5 end cap with a T5 ballast, it'll blow up the tube. We don't even know what'll happen because <laughs> of the risk. So. Mark, I think we should test it. <laughs> I like that. I, I want to be there with a camera. I want to be there and blow up an LED tube. <laughs> I think that ice caps should donate to us just for that purpose. Yeah, let's, let's destroy a fixture for the cause. The greater good, right? Exactly. <laughs> How long would they last? Um, you know, I actually don't have that figure on me, but uh, they have the good life. They have the typical long life of an LED, so. So more than a year? Oh, it should be, it should be years, you know, that they would be able to keep the same brightness and color temperature. But I, I really don't have that data on me, so I'm not sure. I can't speak I to it. Well, listen, you reef addicts, I just want to let you guys know, I actually got three of the two-foot retro bulbs myself yesterday, and I'll be putting those up over my tank in the next couple of days, and then within a few weeks, I'll have a review about them on Reef Addicts where you guys can see the pictures and read about them and find out you know, all the details. What's really special about them is what you're going to see in the pictures, which is the way that they excite the fluorescent proteins and corals. They make the green, red orange, yellow, and pink fluorescent proteins and corals go crazy. Um, it looks like a tank filled with highlighter markers to an obscene degree. So I think you're really going to enjoy that, Mark. I, I think it's going to be great. I kind of wish I had Mark, more fluorescent corals. that sounds like corals. what Crown Royal does to you. <laughs> I know, right? But you know what? I have a problem with all this discussion we've had with Laura so far, and that's that this is stuff everyone already knows about. What do you have that no one knows about? So what we have not done the official release for yet that will be coming out in March, we're very excited to be releasing the black versions of our reef illumination fixtures. And this black will be anodized aluminum, so it'll be a very high quality aluminum that doesn't scratch, and it's going to be a sleek looking fixture. We're also very excited to bring out these fixtures in two foot, three foot, and six foot varieties. Nice. nice. Yes, they should be very, very nice. So these are those are basically going to be the pendants that are going to be over like really nice looking. Uh, uh, what are they called? Rimless tanks and stuff like that. It's going to be a nice black fixture you can hang over and yes. totally be balling. Mark, I think you need to be balling. Yeah, I'm from Texas. We don't know what that is. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's exciting. I'm glad to hear about something brand new. And I always like to know what's coming soon that hasn't quite hit the market yet. That's always exciting. Something to look forward to. So thanks for telling us that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, again, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Cool. All right, well, don't Mark. go away. We might need you to chime in on some other topics. Yeah, yeah. Don't definitely don't go away. We we have a chick here. Are you kidding me? We're gonna use you. <laughs> I know it's a hot blonde too. Too bad I'm already in a relationship right now. Ah, <sighs> uh, too bad. I had my eye on you, Mark. <laughs> oh well, such is life. That's bad timing. Mark, there is no planning Facebook girlfriend number two while with Facebook girlfriend number one. I'm not making plans. I know better. I am totally focused on my girl. Uh, she's like, she's not even all that cute. Oh, thanks. Wow. I'm right here. <laughs> Cat fight. Go ahead, fight. <laughs> <laughs> Take open the only thing that's really cute is she has really long blonde hair and pretty blue eyes and this nice fit body that's really tall and she Aww. walks around in high heels and cute business clothes. I mean, there's n nothing about that is attractive at all. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. That's Facebook ridiculous. That's like Hollywood five. stuff. I'm not oh, allowed to on. cheat on Mark. Oh, oh, okay. But maybe after Mark. Maybe later. Yeah. After the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking of movies, just a very minor little th snippet. I was watching the animated movie Bolt, which is this story about this dog. It has a Nemo reference. Okay, that's it. Next topic. Okay, so Reef Addicts, I want to know what you're liking about the new site, Jess. Well, I'm liking that there are a decent amount of people that have uh, really taken to heart what at least Reef Addicts means to me. Of course, you have your daily updates and your, you know, your, necess your necessities of posting up pictures and, oh, I just got this piece of equipment and I just got that. That's, of course, the, the bread and butter of a of a true addict, but you know, some of them have actually taken time out of their day and written something out that is truly, truly, um, great for the hobby. You know, I've read over like plumbing articles and, and things like that. And they're starting to do reviews of products that they've used. And all of this stuff is greatly appreciated because when I think of what reef addicts, you know, what I would want it to be is completely generated information from people and in the hobby that, uh, are given their real world opinions, you know, free information that is really helpful by people who are, have been doing it and who are doing it. So I definitely want to give a hand to those uh, people who have taken time. And now, granted, <laughs> let me just clarify this. I know that it's not all um, altruistic intentions here. We do have this awesome contest going on that's going to be ending today uh, for the Digital Aquatics Reef Keeper Elite. So I know these people are creating content like crazy trying to win this awesome reef keeper elite but uh you know i really hope that it continues after the after the contest is over i mean I, you know i definitely appreciate it and i know that uh the winner of the contest is going to get upgraded to an article and that's something that hopefully people will look forward to if they write up a nice blog that they're going to be thanked for it by being upgraded to an article and put into our archives for all time for eternity. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the blog interaction. I like that I've seen people embracing this concept because it allows you to put all your thoughts in a single long entry. And it does allow for interaction underneath, you know, where people can ask more questions or give feedback and suggestions. But so far, this has really felt like a good way to keep your thought um, undiluted by others. 
that's a very good point. That's the way that I kind of explain it. Because <clears throat> I've had a couple people come and I was like, where's the forum? It's like, uh, we're not a forum. <laughs> I think that they are saying that just to rile you up because they know better. I told everyone, no forum on the new site. Yeah. Well, I think that these people really, they were like, oh, what's refatics? They didn't even know. Yeah, well, you know what? That's the point. We need to get more people to talk about it. I mean, we've been up for just over five weeks, and there's already 643 registered members. Man. I think that's great. That's crazy. And I looked at the blogs, and we have something like well over 100 blog entries in that five weeks. Nice. Very Probably nice. even more. I think I might be even higher. I might think be more like 150. That. Yeah, it might be 150 or so. But I mean, there's a lot of blog entries. We've been doing a lot of of the week articles. Every week, a new article comes out, whether it's fish or coral or equipment or a pest or an invertebrate. And we're doing some product reviews, like that big review that Ken did about the Digital Aquatics controller. Yeah, Since man. it's a prize, we felt we needed this big um, review so people would actually understand what they're winning. He did a great job And then job we've on had that. some really nice articles, and we've got other ones in the works. There was a guy in my own club that he's been working on building his own plywood tank and he's been working on it since 2008 and it's finally like in the wall he hung his light fixture over it and i think he's finally the point of putting water in it you know actual officially salt water not just the water test he did he did to make sure it would hold water mm -hmm. and i'm thinking now that looks like a good article for reef addicts you know i really like to see these types of content with the diy behind it because people love diy yeah totally that, I want to read that. If you mean a plywood tank. I know, isn't that? And it's like 400 gallons. It's huge. That's awesome. I know. And at the time, he tried to figure out what it cost him so far to make this giant tank. And he was right around like 1100 to $1,200 for a 400-gallon aquarium. That's not that bad. Not bad at all. That's not that bad. Well, see, you like the DIY stuff. I like bringing in information that may be hard to find, like uh, Nancy from Sunset Marine. Let me get that right. Yeah, Sunset Marine Labs. Um, she wrote the article about uh, a few things to know before owning a jellyfish tank. And just working with within the jellyfish uh, market a few times in my, my other business that I work in, it was really hard to find a lot of good jellyfish information. So, you know, I hit her up and she wrote up a really nice article about uh, what you should you know, the bases you should cover if you're looking for a jellyfish tank. So, you know, I think that, uh, I think that we're, I'm pretty proud of the, the information that Reef Addicts can provide because it's a, it's a good variety from DIY stuff to, uh, to little known things about jellyfish and, you know, photo articles about, uh, about aquariums that we're going to and stuff. So. Yeah. I want to mention to you guys also, those of you that are subscribed to this podcast and it's just going to be an automatic download on the 10th of each month. What's going to happen is some of you aren't going to be coming to the website. You're just going to be relying on this podcast. So I want to encourage you to take some time out of your busy life, <laughs> out of your busy schedule and get on reefaddicts.com and check the category section on the left side of the screen and enter each of those subcategories, the DIY articles, the weekly spotlight, the how-to articles, and just go through these and see what you're missing. Because we're trying to put all this information on there to help you be more successful in the hobby, of course. And we're and of course, it allows you to even comment beneath each of these articles if you have thoughts, additional input, corrections, or just general feedback about how it helped you with your tank. And we appreciate that as well. Oh, 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 Mark, I have a little treat that we can give the podcasters that has not been released on the website yet. All right. I am taking a trip to Tampa, Florida on February 17th. 
which would be a week after uh, this podcast is released. I'll be in Tampa, Florida for an entire week. And I will be covering, um, you know, definitely some of the reef culture over in Tampa. I, uh, it's quite possible that I might hit up one of you crazy Floridian addicts and cover your tank with video and, and whatnot. So uh, if any of you are there out in Tampa, definitely hit us up on the website and uh, let us know if you want to come, if you want to have uh, reef addicts officially visit your, uh, your tank and totally pimp it out. <laughs> of course, you have to clean it the day before. Yeah, don't don't clean the tank. Oh, don't tell the addict what to do with their tank. Come on, they're addicts. They know. All right. Something else that Jesse implemented not too long ago, I'd say maybe two weeks ago, she added the new Reef Addicts hotline. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast, and you're going to hear some of the messages we've gotten, and we'll give you a little feedback on those while we're at it. Yeah, please keep them coming, people. I mean, <laughs> the world is your limit. There, You don't have to necessarily make it a uh, an addict hotline. You don't have to make it anything in specific. You can just call in and, and even tell us what you think about the podcast. Tell us that you think that Mark is going to be the worst Facebook boyfriend ever to me and that you might be the one that I've been looking for and that you think that I should receive pictures of you via email at Jesse at Reef. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you can talk okay. about whatever you want. The, the hotline funny... number is 682-233-4284. What's the number again? Because I missed the first part. 682-233-4284. And it's going to record your voice and we're going to be playing it on the podcast if it's if it's worthy. Yeah. Well, we do have, we have a couple from uh, people that called in. And uh, I guess that's how we're going to wrap up the show is we're just going to let you listen to the um, the calls that we received on our Reef Addicts hotline. And I know there's somebody out there that can do better. So step up your game and give us a call. <laughs> you know, if you guys even have suggestions of topics, that works too. You can call in instead of having to type it out, you poor things. So I wanted to let you guys know about that. We've got other stuff working. I'm working with Ed. I'm really bugging him lately a lot for a couple of things that we wanted rolled out already. And those are pending, and they are going to need your assistance. Uh, specifically, I want to mention that the Critter ID section, it's an enormous project. It's an enormous database, and we've got the foundation made for it. But we're going to need some of you, if you're able, if you're wanting to, to participate in helping add entries. That would be great. And if you aren't able to, but you <clears throat> want to just nudge us along, call us on the phone number and complain that we're taking too long, that's fine. So now let's roll into our next section, which is going to be with Drew, where we're going to be talking about fish traps, as well as fish tanks in aquarium rooms, where they're in wall or where a room was built around the aquarium, or where all your gear is in a room behind the aquarium or even in a basement. Well, I want to thank your wife for leaving so we could record our little podcast. She left town. Wow. She took it serious when I said to get lost. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's, she's like, gone. I'm going to Louisiana. <laughs> She went to Phoenix. She said, is that far enough away from Mark? And wow, said, that'll work. Actually, kind of went more like this after the last trip. She says, Mark coming over? Yeah. <laughs> I'm she going said, to Phoenix. I'm not going to be here. I've uh, been around Mark before. So. Oh, that's funny. So listen, we need to come up with a name. I've been thinking about you, and I figured Drew isn't going to work. Because, you know, as any good radio personality always has a nickname, you don't have one. So I, I come up with one for you. I had Sir X a lot. No, nah, it's not good enough. I think this is much better. Okay. Just think about this. Don't have to answer instantly. You can give it a little moment to sink in. 
How about Drewlicious? Drewlicious. Not Drewlicious. Just Drewlicious. <laughs> Drewlicious. So here we are with Drewlicious and Milev. <laughs> See, it sounds so good. I, I like Sir Rex a lot better than Drewlicious. Where did you even come up with that? I don't know. It just hit me. <laughs> See, this is kids. This is why you don't do drugs. <laughs> I figured Drew was just too blah. Well, Drew, I want you to know, I gave up my five-mile walk tonight to come here and record with you. Oh. I've been walking five miles a day now for almost two weeks. Five miles a day? So you started it two weeks ago, and you've given up on it how many times since the two weeks? I haven't. This is the first day. Oh. Okay. So I've traveled on my treadmill 60 miles. Oh, you're not even doing it outside. You're doing it inside. Inside. It's freezing cold outside. That's why I got the treadmill. Oh. Well, we, we could be in Washington this weekend where they have 20 to 40 inches of, of snow. And I would be on my treadmill. That would have brought with me That's if I'd lived there. I guess you could carry it with you. <laughs> I don't know why you would do such a thing. I put an enormous treadmill in my living room now, and it's dead center on the television so I can use that time wisely instead of just sitting there getting fatter. So ask me how much I've lost in the uh, 60 uh, miles of walking. How much weight have you lost? Not a damn started. pound. <laughs> Somehow I have figured out how to take any fat of my body and turn it into muscle to where I'm not losing anything with all that workout. You're gaining muscle. I guess. And you haven't lost any weight. I haven't lost anything. It's kind of discouraging. My son's been telling me, well, you shouldn't weigh yourself every day. I'm like, well, regardless if I weigh myself every day or once every seven days, the fact is I still end up with the same number of pounds on the scale. So yeah, that's discouraging, but I'm going to just keep doing five miles a day, and well, hopefully at some point something good will happen. You do know that muscle weighs more than fat, right? So I'm going to gain weight. Basically. In theory, if you say you're gaining muscle over fat... That's my theory. Then you're going to actually you technically to gain weight, because muscle weighs more. Well, I just want the stomach to go away, so that's why I'm doing this. I like mine. I'm working on it. I'm hoping it'll all work <laughs> You're working on your stomach, making it bigger? Some people go for six-packs. I went for a mini keg. Mm. So. Well, okay, so enough about me. We're sitting in your living room with your beautiful tank, which, what is that, a 300-gallon? It's a 270-gallon. It's six feet by three feet back, front to back and then two feet tall. I did take a couple of pictures to put on the side so you guys will get a chance to see it as well. Drew's got a lot of experience in the hobby. Um, I don't know how many years though. Uh, my my kind of my life of aquarium started when I was real young. I was probably about four or five. I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of ponds, golf courses, little golf course. And my dad, who was a Cajun from southern Louisiana, taught me how to catch turtles. So we'd go out every weekend, and then during the summer, I'd go up every day and I'd catch turtles. So that was kind of where my love for aquarium started. Uh, it grew from there into little fish tanks and whatnot. And then as I went through college, I really got into saltwater. I had dabbled in it a little bit, but never really gotten into it. And it's been about, I guess I've been really into the hobby for about 10 years. Uh, you know, there was a few years there before I really got into it. And then it's been, you know, strong and steady for 10 years, basically. Well, so. it's obvious that you've got something, some time under your belt because your tank's beautiful. Like I like it. You've got... Tunsies and Vortex and Wave Boxes. Well, more Tunsy. Yeah. And how many fish did you say? <laughs> uh, I, in fact, the, the tank itself was... My wife... I got lucky. My wife 
Uh, that's one of the big things in aquarium hobbies is that, you know, you then have a girlfriend that really likes it, a wife that really likes it, or you need to be single. Because if not, it's hard to have a big tank, especially in your living room yeah. and a fish room. Uh, but my wife and I actually met at a fish store. So we've known each other for almost, uh, I guess, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And we got married a couple of years ago. And we when we were living together, we started talking about... You know, we we went through phases. We both kind of gotten away from saltwater for a, a small period of time, and we did discus and we did angelfish and uh, all kinds of things. And eventually, we went to a, we had a 175 gallon uh, discus tank, and one day I just got tired of it. I said, I'm not doing discus anymore. I'm going back to reefs. And as soon as I did that and went back, um, we turned tore the 175 down from freshwater, turned it into saltwater. A few months later, it started leaking. I had to call a fish store in the middle of the night, run up there, get the uh, get another tank, a used 125 gallon. I ended up buying that from them. Moved everything over, and within a few weeks, we had ordered our new tank, the 270, which was for the saltwater. Which was going to be yeah, which was saltwater. The fresh the freshwater went to saltwater before it leaked. Oh, and then it leaked, and we ended up. I think I did, I put the tag on the back porch, which is pretty much what I do with a lot of my equipment. <laughs> I have so much equipment that every time I tear down a tank, I save part, lots of parts of it. A lot of us do that. Uh, I set it on the back porch. It sat there for months. Finally, I had two ladies come over to the house and said, what are you doing with this? I said, you can have it if you can haul it off, but I'm right. not touching it. So uh, they came the next day, and they put it in the back of a pickup truck, and it was gone. And it was one of the happiest days of my life to see that tank go away. Isn't it nice to get so, clutter off? You know, I mean, it's amazing but, how much we accumulate. Yeah. And it was a big tank. It was six feet by... You know, two and a half feet front to back. It was a flat back hex, which is probably the reason it leaked. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, long story short, today, um, you'd ask how many fish. There's probably, I'd say, 60 fish in this tank. Which is a lot. Uh, yeah, we, I do a lot of little fish. I typically like docile fish. I, mm-hmm. I've only recently gotten into bigger tanks and I've added multiple large tanks to my both my tanks uh, recently. But, uh, yeah, there's probably 60 in here and another 30 or 40 in, in the 180 prop in the back room. When I came in, the tank was just... It's kind of nice because you have fish at different levels in the tank, like the bar gobies. They were all at the top. And you have... You know, you're telling me some of your bar gobies you've had for years, and you added the new ones. I could tell they were new because yeah. they're tiny. Yeah. And yet they weren't fighting because the older ones, they're so big they don't care. Yeah, and in fact, I I think originally we had five, and through some mishaps, they've, they've ended up passing on. And we, we, we had three that were the older ones that... Um, that live together and are all happy. But then I added five new ones a few weeks ago and then five more new ones a couple weeks after that. And it's funny, I think out of the, the ten new ones, I think they're from two different places because they're two different colors. Yeah. If you look at them closely, one's a couple of you know, some of them are a little more yellow than others. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but now there's, there's I guess, 13 or 14 uh, bar gobies alone. And then the uh, other miscellaneous fish. There's four, uh, I guess, blue assessors. They're however you want to call them, blue or black assessors. Yeah, they're really dark. Yeah, and that's my wife's favorite type of fish. She, for years in the hobby, they were used to be really cheap. You could get them for nothing. Uh, they're Australian, so they went away for yeah. five years. You couldn't get them at all. And when Only they, from ORA. Well, when they, and ORA <laughs> stopped breeding them because yeah. they, the, the fact that I talked to a guy from ORA about this, that they just weren't worth the time and the, the money to, to do it, uh, what it took to get them to breed. And That kind so, of amazes me about ORA, and I don't need to go off tangent too far, but mm-hmm. if you have 
some bread and butter fish, which are the ones that make steady mm-hmm. income, then why not have a few systems of some difficult fish that... I mean, for example, I was really encouraging them at Macna this year to start growing the interruptus angelfish that I want so bad. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, it's a $500 fish. I got it. Yeah. So why not breed them? All you need is two. I mean, isn't that what yeah. every breeder tells you? All you need is two fish. Yeah. And if they have two, and yeah, they might be difficult, but they're making 10,000 clownfish. They're making, you know, assessors. They're doing seahorses, and corals. Can't they just grow a couple of interruptus? And, I don't know, raise a, a yeah, dozen a year or something? It was like it's in Macna where, where they had bred mandarins. And that yeah. was the most unbelievable thing. Is seeing, how do you breed mandarins? You can breed those. You can breed anything. And people have bred <laughs> pygmy angels in captivity before. I mean, it's yeah. it's possible. At least I've had them spawn. I don't know if they've ever had No, there's angels. a guy in Hawaii that was doing it. That's yeah. how I found out about him. Yeah. And because he, I looked up his dead website. Yeah. And it showed how he did it. And I'm just like, oh. Come and, back to life. And I come think back to this. I think for a long time the problem with that was that there were so many of these different breeders that were doing these different things. The, the clownfish and the angels and different things. And they none of them wanted to share information with the other. It was yeah. all proprietary information. And none of them wanted to get out. And even ORA is pretty secure about it. You know, I mean, of course, you can breed clownfish, but they don't tell you too much about it. Yeah. So... But now that there's more and more people interested in breeding, yeah. like the last podcast went into. Yeah, and and, and I'm real big into it. I, I've got four uh, red serpent stars in this tank that I've collected either because you can't really find them at fish stores anymore. They're real difficult. There's just you know you see them every once in a while, but they either ship poorly and they die a few weeks later, or uh, you know every once in a while somebody will trade them in. So I ended up having one in here. I had a good buddy that had one. He had them for about five years, so I got it off him. Uh, I found one in the local fish store, and then I found another one somewhere. In fact, one of the new ones, it only has four legs. It was just, it's a... Instead of five? Yeah, out of nature, it's a four-legged starfish. So, uh, or quad quadfish. Uh, I don't know. But that's one of the things I'm trying to breed is because my wife has done that previously. When she was when she had her aquarium a long, years ago, uh, she had baby serpent stars. So it's possible. Did she raise them from she, parent serpent stars? She and doesn't babies? know how they, they... It was just basically... This was years ago, so it wasn't where people were trying to breed things. But, you know, she lifted up a rock one day, and there were thousand baby red serpent stars in there. That's really cool. So she I said, thought maybe you're comparing them to the little... You know, obviously no, you know the mini brittle yeah, stars. Yeah, yeah. And I have millions of mini... Yeah, well, that's, we why I, that's why I took on the red serpent stars. I said, well, these little brittle stars can, can spawn. I can obviously can get yeah. the, the bigger ones. So... That was kind of my theory behind it. And I have baby white serpent stars in here that I don't know where they came from. Right. Uh, I'm hoping that these baby whites are going to eventually turn a shade of red. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah. They're all... They're, I just started noticing them probably a month ago. Mm. Uh, and they're all... I, I think the biggest one's probably, you know, half an inch. Yeah. You know, or its legs are half an inch. Its body, you know, so it's tiny, tiny. So... Well, I'm looking at your tank... And I can't tell that you were trying to catch a fish. Oh, I spent about a year trying to catch a six-line wrasse out of here. <laughs> I had a six-line that is just was mean as the devil for anybody out there listening that wants a six-line and, and has a six-line. Uh, they can get aggressive. I mean, any fish can get I tell people that all the time. Well, they ask me, is it aggressive or is that aggressive? Or, I heard it's docile. I heard it's reef safe. Blah, 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 blah. It's a... It's a a sh- you take a shot in the dark with anything, any type of fish you put in your tank. I don't believe angels are safe. I've had every type of angel that people say, oh, it's fine, it's not a problem. And I've, I've seen them nip things and had to pull them out. I've had every type of swallowtail, everything. 
across the board. I've tried you them. also have every kind of coral in that tank. So yeah, it seems and like so I can tell it's you it's a buffet it. of choice I, meals. I remember a few years ago, I think it was a triangle butterfly came out. It's mm. a, a white and yellow, but looks like a triangle butterfly. Yeah, pyramid and pyramid butterfly. And everybody said, "Oh, they're reef safe. It's reef safe. It's reef the safe." Guy in Arlington had something for sales. Like I've never yeah. even seen this fish, and he had like yeah. fifty. Yeah, and oh, they're <laughs> reef safe, completely reef safe. And uh, no, they're not. I put them in my tank. They nipped. I yanked them out. So. I, not only can I tell you, you know, what's reef safe and what's not in my experience, but I can tell you what they nipped at, yeah. you know, which most people could say, oh, well, that's reef safe, but it's not reef safe. They don't, they just heard it somewhere. Yeah. I can I can tell you from my experience. I bought a mat puffer when I was really, a lot, a few years ago, a long, a long time ago. Probably. What kind of puffer? A mat puffer. A mat? Mappa, mappa, an African mappa puffer. It's a starry puffer. Okay. It's a real, they're real, real pretty ornate puffers, but. Um, I had one of those in a reef tank one time just to see what it would nip at. Yeah. It will nip at anything. <laughs> just so you know. What did it like hosting in? Did it choose? You know, like, Lindsay had a puffer. Oh. And it would, it loved me in the star polyps. No, he, he wouldn't host in anything. He was a free swimmer. So he would be out. Like, he would sleep in things and lay in them, but he was. He, he didn't would, find a soft spot. He would eat the star polyps before he would lay in them. Mm-hmm. So he ate mushrooms. He ate everything. And he usually didn't eat them. He just. Chew destroyed them, them. Chew them off the rock and then spit them out. And yeah. He just said, I don't like you and I'm going to take care of you. He had to taste it though. to try the buffet. <laughs> That's exactly it. Exactly. So, uh, so your six line? This? Oh, so the six line. They so, eluded you for 365 days. Probably over a year. Wow. I had been trying to find a way to get this thing out. I hadn't given it my full odd effort. I tried a few traps, but it was the smartest fish ever. Tell us all uh, your tricks. Not how you did Let's in the end. It. Tell us everything you did to try and get it. I tried nets. I tried a bag with another six line in it, hoping that he would go after it. I would go into fish stores. I wanted a couple of them. And I'd say, you know, when they got a shipment in and they may have one that's dying or dead. And I'll say, I'll take that. Let me try it. <laughs> and uh, I'd bring it home and having the bag or having a net or having some sort of trap or contraption. And I tried that. Uh, did you try fishing rods? I didn't try fishing rod because I would catch all my other fish first. This this particular six line is very unique in the fact that when he eats, if you think if he thinks you're after him, and I never really tried really hard to chase him. He's never he was never chased. Yeah. But I would try with a net or, or whatnot. But with this particular fish, it, you know, most fish you put a fit, you know food in a fish trap and they get used to eating out of there, and then yeah. they go back and they go back to the well, basically, you know. They, but with the six line, with this one, he would take his three bites of food and then go back to doing whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would eat literally three pieces of brine and go back to swimming around the tank or if there was a new fish in there, he'd go back to harassing him. Uh, so we, uh, in the end, what we ended up doing was I, I was almost to tear my tank down. I was within minutes of doing it. And my wife talked me out of it. I was get, What I was going to do is I have a 200-gallon vat that I use for my RO water, and I was going to drain the entire tank down and then figure out whatever rock he had stuck himself in and yank the rock out. Yeah. Because that's, what, that's the best way to do it. I've, I've done it before with fish. I was willing to do it with this one and risk the thousands of dollars worth of everything else to get rid of this one fish. Uh, and it, we, we decided, you know, we, we tried a few different things. Instead of draining it that night, I, I took a couple rocks out and tried a, different, a few different angles. It's a big tank. And, yeah. It, and I thought it wasn't a big fish. No, and, and I actually still have one I can show you. Oh, nice. uh, but the uh, with him, we decided, I have a buddy of mine's fish trap. I said, I'll try that. I have my own fish trap. And 
we tried, we went and bought a cleaner wrasse, thinking, hey, this will irritate him enough <laughs> that he'll chase his cleaner wrasse. Yeah. This was on Thursday. And what I did is I bought the cleaner wrasse, and I put it in a, a little baseball card box. The baseball cards, uh, anybody that grew up with baseball cards, they make these acrylic boxes that are... Yeah, it's like a four, showcase box. Four inches long. Yeah, it's a showcase. It's four inches long by about two inches tall, and they slide together. So I drilled some holes in that. And originally, we put food in there. Yeah. And put food in that box and put the box inside the traps. Mm-hmm. Well, he was smart enough to know that he would come up to the side, but he wouldn't go in through the door of the trap. Yeah. And I have sketches of the new trap I was going to design and have mm-hmm. the acrylic guy build. Uh, so reef. glad you didn't call. Oh, I had I had <laughs> sketches of about a two foot acrylic box that I was going to get built with double doors and a uh, trap for the food, trap doors, all kinds of stuff. Laser lights. Uh, laser lights <laughs> and, and little nuclear reactor. When he got in there, it would just make him explode. And so we tried that, and the food he would come up to it, but he really wouldn't. He wouldn't go after it. Yeah. And like I said, with the trap, he would. He'd never been really chased by a trap, but he was just never came far enough away from the rocks to go into the trap. And what he would do is, if a piece of food would fall out of the trap and the other fish were eating it, he'd just dart in there, grab his one, two, or three pieces, yeah. and then be done for the night. I mean, that was my one shot. If he didn't go into the trap, it, it was over. Yeah. Uh, there was a time he did go into the trap for about three seconds, but the door was stuck in the up position. Oh, I, wouldn't come down. I couldn't get it to drop, and it was about a three-second window, yeah. and it was too late. And, by me trying to walk, I mean, I had what I would do is sit on my couch, which one of my couches faces away from the tank. Yeah, you don't even see your tank in the living room. And you have to turn around. Yeah, well, we have stools, so we sit on the stools in front of it. But uh, what I would do is on the couch, I, I would lay on the couch and cover myself with a blanket, <laughs> like I was duck hunting, camouflage, camouflaging myself, <laughs> like that, so that he couldn't guy. see me. So uh, th- that window closed so quickly that when he was in there, and we put the cleaner. So what we did is took the food out, we put the cleaner ass in the box. And try to get him to irritate the, the, the clear rat, you know. And he looked cleaner ass, kind of like, ah, eh. he was indifferent. He didn't care. Yeah. So that didn't work. We tried that that the, the first night or second night, first couple nights. We let the cleaner ass grow. And I'm not a big believer in cleaner asses. In fact, this is probably the first one I've ever bought in my life because I've always believed that they die. That yeah. There's no point in doing it. I, I don't really ever want to buy anything. The only time I buy things that I think will die or I, I'm pretty sure will die, is when I think I can give it a better shot than where it's at. Yeah. If I go into so a store, if I go into somebody's somewhere. house, and it looks bad, and I, I think it has a better chance of survival in my tank, that's when I'll take it home. Right. The cleaner ass was just, you know, a shot. You know, we'll see what happens. Oddly enough, the cleaner ass is still alive, and it loves the fish trap. I can catch it and move it back from tank to tank in case one of the fish is sick. Uh, and the cleaner ass is perfectly fine. I've never had a cleaner ass. Like I said, I never bought one before. Yeah, that's I've, funny. And I've seen, I've worked at probably a dozen different fish stores mm. since I've been in the hobby, and I've never seen you can't one. Can't hold a live. job long, can you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's called being in college and working at stores that went out of business and all kinds of other stuff. Good times. So we, uh, uh, the, so the cleaner ass didn't work. We had tried that, and then I had a, a new hogfish. I t- called him a pseudo hog, and he kept chasing these pseudo hogs around, or more commonly called a peppermint hogfish. Oh yeah, I know this. Um, and it, it would be chasing him around, and he kept causing them to jump into the overflow box. Mm. So I'd catch him out, either put him back in the tank, and uh, eventually I just put him in one of the prop tanks and left him there. And then we went and bought a six line rest, a baby six line. 
put it in the box, the little mini box. And I didn't want to piss off the to piss off the big one. And I didn't want to leave it in there for a long time because I didn't want to kill it. I I knew eventually it would run out of oxygen. (laughs) So what I would do is late in the evening we'd open up the we'd put him in the box. And we'd try and make the, the big one mad. He was indifferent towards us. I guess he knew that he was in the, the fish trap, so he was indifferent. He didn't care. And uh, my wife, when she brought him home, said, you know, watch this. It's going to be like his girlfriend or something. He's going to think it's great. <laughs> and uh, we just kind of laughed about it, like, ah, ha, ha, this fish will kill anybody because he hates every type of wrasse, anything like it. Right. And so we, the six line was in the in the little box and then it was in the fish trap and what we would do is we opened the little box at night put it in the big fish trap so it could get enough oxygen to live yeah. and then in the morning I'd catch it back or in the next evening I'd catch it out and put it back in the little box right. tried this for two days treated it like veal eventually what happened was is I, I took it out and let it swim around the big box mm-hmm. to see if it would irritate him he'd come in the, in the, the big six line would come look at it and kind of stare at him and then well, in the process of trying to catch the big six line, the the door was open one time and it got stuck. A little six line swam out. Oh no! <laughs> so my bait was now gone. Well, the, this Masudo hog that he I knew was irritating him. I said, you know what? I'm going to get this Masudo hog, and I'm going to put him in the box. Yeah. So we put him in the box. We didn't put him in the little box because he's he's basically too big for it. He's right, right about the same length of it. I said, that's just, I'm not going to do that to a fish that's already stressed out. Yeah. So we put him in there in, in the in the fish trap, and what we do is keep the door closed until the six line would come up, and then we try to open the door. Well, the masudo hog would stay up at the top of the box, okay. and the, this six line did not like that masudo. I mean, he would he'd come slam the box, I mean, just attacking it, just beating up the door. <laughs> oh, just oh yeah, attack, Let me in! he'd attack the side walls, and then he'd attack oh. it. And then what I'd do is he'd come up and look at it, and I'd open the door a little bit, but the masudo would be up the top. Yeah, and then the the six line would come and look at it. At the same level. Where the door is, So the yeah. door is there, and I can open it, but I couldn't open the door high enough because yeah. there's always about at least, you know, half an inch there. Right. Uh, to where the fish is, you know, can't get to each other. So, that, well, same thing happened. I opened the door too much at one time, and this is after hours and hours and hours, the Masuda swam out. <laughs> now you got two fish to So kill. now I got two fish that are swimming around that... that and now course, I know why you have sixty fish in the tank. That's fifty nine. Yeah, exactly, six 50, lines are really 50, cute. Fifty nine were bought to uh, try and catch one fish out. So, I, my wife says to me, "We've got a, we have a brand new little Macosker's flasher wrasse that's mm-hmm. in the nano cube that's doing great, and uh, he's a really cute little guy. And he's happy in there. Uh, my nano cube runs probably three or four degrees warmer than the big tank. Well, I uh, she said we got to catch him and put him in the box, and we were going to put him in a little box." Inside the, the aquarium. And uh, I said, okay. And this is about 8.30 8 at night, every night. And literally for a week straight, we worked on this at least three hours a night. We'd get home at 5, and I would start the process. That's crazy. And we'd put two fish traps in there, one with food, one with the, the fish, or one, both with food. Every night it was three hours. On the weekends, it was like eight hours. We would leave these fish traps in there trying to get them just to get used to going in there. And uh, he just had no interest. He didn't. He didn't get close or uh, far enough away from the rock to go into it. Anyway, so we got the macosker out. We had to tear down the nano cube to do it. The nano cube was in pieces. We water was everywhere. We threw the macosker in the little the little baseball box. Put the baseball box in the fish trap, and he came darting out, hit the wall, the side wall. But I what I did is I lowered the box that he was in to the bottom of the fish trap, mm-hmm. and he came around the corner. I opened the door. He shot right in. I closed the door, and <laughs> it was just pure ecstasy around here. It's awesome. Oh, it was. Oh, I couldn't believe it. So I was almost in tears. We 
And I'm not kidding because I was I was almost lack of sleep. I'd been trying for, you know. You didn't even put it for sale after all that. In a week. So what I did is he got exiled. He went to the sump. Mm-hmm. I have a fuge, a sump, and a skimmer sump. And he went to the first chamber of the sump, the, the main sump. And that's where he lived for the last week until he got exiled. He got out of there, <laughs> of course, and went. He moved down a couple, a uh, couple links. He's in with a damsel that I brought home from a friend of mine house. It's a big snow, snowflake damsel that's big and mean. So, mm. so now they're living in there happily together. Wow. Uh, his time there will be short. He'll be yanked. Uh, but just as we got him out, we started putting new wrasses in. Uh, I have a Talbot damsel decided to attack the wrasses, and I had a like a spotted coltang, mm-hmm. which is a cute little fish, but it's grown really well in our tanks. And over a few months, it's added, you know, a couple inches. It started about two inches. Now it's almost four. Right. But they got aggressive. So last night, I had the fish traps back in there again, trying to catch them out. I caught them both out last night. They were both dumb enough. Within a few hours, we had both of them, and they were taken to another tank. I've never had so. a problem with catching fish in my tanks. But then again, I've never gone, you know, like you were saying, you're trying to catch them for a while. Mm-hmm. Normally, what I've done in the past is I'll put the trap in the tank without the door. I just secure it on the top. It hangs. And it moves a little bit because of the way it's designed. But yeah. it sits there for three days. I don't care. And the yeah. fish swim around it. They swim in it. They poop in it. Oh. They swim away. Yeah. And, and and then the day I'm ready to do it, put the food in. Yeah. And all my fish... All of them swim in. Yeah. My, my Nasso likes to swim in there and just rest. Yeah. Like there's too much flow in the tank. And she's like, ah. And she just stops yeah. moving her fins. And then she'll go out and she'll swim in the flow. And then she comes back in and she parks. Like, got a cooler engine. <laughs> yeah. And, and all my other tanks, all my other fish, I have a black tank in here, a big, it's a big, you know, six inch black tank. And uh, he would do it no problem. He'd go in there. He didn't care. All the other fish, they don't care. The, the only other fish that don't go in there are the assessors. The assessors yeah. have zero interest in going in there. And it's just the six line, just like the assessors, they don't go far enough away from the rock yeah. to get in a, a fish trap. I mean, so what I had to do is, I mean, I would have the fish trap. It was up against the rock. Right. But he literally, I mean, he wouldn't go around the corner of the fish trap to go in the door because it was too far away from the rock. And you're talking a matter of centimeters. Yeah. You know? I, I and, know what you mean. And he just wouldn't turn that corner. And that's what the problem I almost... I was almost ready. There's another club member that builds rock, and I was ready to call them and say, "Build me a, a, a rock, a rock thing trap to go around my fish trap." Yeah, yeah. So that'd be kind of cool. You make a boulder yeah. with a trap door. So we had we had fishing line running everywhere around here. We had two fish traps in the tank, almost 24 hours a day for seven days a week. And like I said, we were trying three hours a day to catch them. I love the idea of you being camouflaged under a blanket. I was. I have a blanket that I got camo under. Has it done the same thing? I'll run the fishing line all the way across the living room, mm-hmm. and there's a hallway that faces my tank, basically. And I go all the way to the hallway, so it's like 20 feet, 15 feet. And then I go around the corner of my bedroom, and I'll lay down on the floor where my head is down by the carpet, because I don't want them to see me coming. It's amazing. So and that way they'll just do what they normally do, because they think I'm not there. And he's a fish that would disappear, but if he wanted to, he'd disappear for days at a time, because it was it's his world and like yeah. i said when he ate he, he could eat as much as he wanted but if he he could last on three brine a night if he wanted so he would do that so he didn't want to eat much so, no i mean he really could i mean i watched i would watch him come out when we were doing food in there and uh, uh, three pieces would fall loose he'd come dart around the corner grab three and dart right back in the yeah. rocks and be gone i've been really lucky with it i've had two six lines and both of them have they really haven't done anything to concern me. You know, they both, they, you know, they can be a little territorial, but never an aggression thing. I mean, you know, like, 
one kind of bugs my Mandarin, but the Mandarin's been there since 2005. Yeah. And she's still tiny. She's like a midget or a pygmy Mandarin, if there's such a thing. She stays tiny. She won't get big. And she's a psychedelic. Those get to be big, long Mandarins. And she's just adorable and pretty. And she comes out during the actinics and the six line will swim right up against her, like rubs a fin on her or something like that. She's like, fine. She turns to the left and goes. Well, the real real kick in the butt for me is now I have a small six line in here swimming around. Maybe you'll be lucky and it'll be a good guy. So I don't know. Because I would say it's a 50-50. So I remember years ago on oh. Central, I'd read all these threads, and fifty percent of the people hated their six line. Fifty percent said no issues. And I, I've always told people get a six line. They they do wonders for tanks. They go around. They eat all kinds of flatworms and predators, and they'll eat bristle worms. They're great, great fish for a reef tank. I mean, yeah. it's one of the best fish for a reef tank. But boy, I got a wrong one. And he, <laughs> I mean, I would put chorus wrasses in there. And the good thing is, I didn't lose a lot of wrasses in this process because. He would chase them around so much, they'd end up jumping in the overflow box. Yeah. And then end up in the sump, and i just catch them out of the sump and put them in another tank. So I have three chorus wrasses and a radiant wrass in my prop tank in the other room that were all chased out and jumped into the... Uh, radiant wrass is a beautiful fish. Yeah. And it's, it's not the, the one with the... It, it's an African radiant wrass. It's, it's kind of an orangish-red color. And it's got like got, a stripe on its back? And then it's got like a neon stripe on its back. Yeah, I saw a couple of those when I was visiting Minneapolis. I just want to come home with those fish so bad. Uh, they, they were beautiful, yeah. and they were a pair. Yeah. They swam together in the fish store. I was like, those are mated. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we kind of think they are. And I'm like, how much are they? And I think they were like 60 bucks yeah. each. They, they, that was like 120 bucks. I'll give you the money now. Because I had a feeling they were more expensive than that. Oh, like, yeah, they'll, they'll start in the $50 range and get into the you know $89 range pretty much. But they're, uh, I love those fish. They're great fish. I just they're don't know how they get along with my yellow cores. Uh, they have one living with my three yellows right now, so oh. he's perfectly fine in there. So, which uh, again, like I tell you, it's luck of the draw. You know, yeah, if you could get one and then it goes, in the, they want to attack each other. Well, speaking of yeah. fish that jump, my um, <laughs> I was looking in my uh, propagation section. I just happened to walk past the propagation section, which is a, the return section of my sump underneath my reef, and this big bright yellow thing swims by. It was my yellow cores or ass, and I was like, that's a big surprise because. Yeah. That fish is always in my reef. Mm-hmm. And I've had yellow... This is like the third one I've had. I had one years ago that had a white belly, and she lived a very long... Well, I say very long. She lived a long time in my 29 gallon, seemed very happy, and then one day she just started getting red splotches, and then she died. And I couldn't figure out what to do with her. I had no yeah. idea. I even put her in a little... Like you were talking about a little box. Yeah. I had a little... Like a breeder's box. It had lots of slits, but nothing could touch her, so no one could mess with her. Yeah. I was like, hopefully she can just get stronger. And all. Anyway, that, that was a failed attempt. Then I got a different one that was given to me. I adopted it, and it kept jumping, and it jumped, and it jumped, and it jumped. I mean, I'd walk into my fish room and walk out, and I'd have someone over. Hey, there's a fish on the floor in your fish room. It's that yellow, yeah. that yellow, it's called a lemon meringue wrasse because the bottom belly is white. Yeah. And but it looks like yellow course. Yeah. It was on the floor alive. I'd pick it up and throw it back in the reef and be fine. And there's, I can't tell you how many times, because I don't know, it had to be at least six times that fish jumped out and I'd rescue it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I sit by the tank waiting for fish to jump out. It just, it was like it knew, do it now, he'll save my life, you know? But I think the sixth landing was enough to cause some brain damage. Because <laughs> after that, it just wasn't quite right. Yeah. And uh, eventually it just died. And then this third one has been beautiful and has never done anything. Never seen it even show interest in going up that high in the yeah. water. Maybe my sixth line is chasing it. <laughs> That's uh, it's pretty typical. The only reason they jump is because something's chasing it, and that might be it. Your but she was lucky enough to land in the sun. Because mm-hmm. she didn't do the overflow. 
My overflows are covered with egg crate. Yeah. For her to go through that barricade, then down to Durso, <laughs> and then across past the skimmer with two intake pumps, and make it through the bubble trap and get in the return section, I think it jumped and landed in the return section. I think it just got lucky. Yeah. So I thought, well, let me catch it. <laughs> no problem. Catch a wrasse in an area of water that is only 10 inches deep max. That shouldn't be a problem. Spent 20 minutes. I'm moving live rock out of the way. I'm shoving heaters out of the way. I'm moving my little frag rack out of the way. Finally, the fish was like, you know, I think I'm just going to give up and let him catch me because this is really ridiculous because he won't stop. Yeah. And I did net him. And at the same time, because I was down in there doing all this and causing all this mess, I had a little Chromus that has been down there forever that I could never catch. Every time he saw me, he'd run. But he'd always come to the front when I'm feeding. <laughs> he'd get all excited. But he looked really thin. And I thought, oh, I'll grab him too. And he was tired. So I scooped them both up, threw them both in the reef, and, you know, everything's fine. But yeah. sometimes, you know, our fish are lucky and they land in the sump or they go down to the sump. And it's not runs, an unusual thing. In my prop tank, uh, underneath it, there's a 105-gallon Rubbermaid tub that's my, I guess, my, now it's a live rock vat. It was a huge. Yeah. But I've had fish jump off out of my 180, which is completely open on the top. They've jumped out and hit the back wall and slid down the wall <laughs> and landed in. underneath in the... Uh, I found him in the live rock that before. I'm like, really? It's lucky they did. You know? Oh, yeah. I, in complete luck. I, so many other places they could land. I've had very few fish jump out. I've got a my 30-gallon prop tank and my 180-gallon prop tank are both completely open. They're Euro-braced, both of them. And uh, and so you can jump out any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And uh, I've had very, very few fish that I've found on the floor. I think I've found more shrimp on the floor than i found uh, fish. Really? Yeah, I've had a few shrimp, shrimp jump out. What kind of shrimp? I mean, cleaner shrimp, pepper shrimp? I think they were either cleaner shrimp or peppermint shrimp. Well, I don't it's the only two I can think of. I can't imagine yeah. a blood shrimp jumping. No, no, not a blood <laughs> shrimp. But I, it was either a cleaner or a peppermint. I don't remember which ones were in there. And they jump out of the 30. I don't think I ever had them jump out of the 180. Some shrimp, I don't know if you ever noticed them when they release their babies. Yeah. They, they kind of the jet forward yeah. to release their babies. Yeah, they, they usually jump up when they do. But these were, uh-huh. I think these were newer ones. They were either chasing each other or a fish was chasing them. Okay. Um, and then, like I said, they they... The 30-gallon has pretty very little lip on it, so yeah. fish can jump out of it without a problem. So. Yeah. Well, you mentioned some extra vats and stuff like that, and yet I don't see them in the living room, so I think that leads right into our major topic of the podcast, which is going to be about fish tank rooms and in-wall tanks. Now, I know yours is an in-wall, mine is, but there was actually a few requests by people saying, could you talk about that on the podcast? And I thought, Drew's got a huge room dedicated just to the aquariums. Yeah. Uh, the perfect person to talk to. The like again, like I said, I, I was lucky enough to have a wife that likes the aquarium hobby. So when I, we came up with the idea of the big the big tank, I said I'm gonna put it. We had a little extra room. We live in a, a small house, but it's got an extra bedroom that was. It's just the two of us and the dogs. So I said I want to I want to plumb it through to the other room. And what we have is directly behind our a living room. There's a small bedroom with a, a closet that. I figured, you know, it would be perfect. I could plumb into the closet and uh, use a little bit of the room. It won't be a problem at all. So, and the room already had tile in it, so it was real nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did was I poked a hole. I started poking holes through the wall. And I basically had to distract her because she doesn't do well with d- destruction. Well, you own so, this house. You can do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, but... Uh, Still, you know, it's a little nerve-wracking to, to, you know, cut a hole through your wall. So when I ordered the tank, I, I ordered, I wanted two two-inch drains. That's all I wanted. 
For, for, I wanted the overflow in the middle and two or two its drains. So what it does is that the drains come down out of the tank. They both go basically parallel together. They turn and go through the wall with the, with this. I think there's four inch holes in each of the walls mm-hmm. where the two inch drains each go through. Uh, in fact, when I was cutting through, I hit one of the edges of a stud. Imagine that. And just cut through the stud. Yeah. Just I didn't cut through the whole thing. I, it just took a little little niche out of it. Well, the roof looks like it's still holding. Uh, yeah. The well, we only had one wall collapse, so <laughs> we uh, I cut through it. Basically, it comes down, makes a turn, goes through the wall, turns again after it gets through the wall, and then turns into the closet, which was almost directly behind where the holes came. Yeah, through. I was gonna say you have a closet like right behind the tank. Yeah, and, and so. I only, I luckily, I only had to put a couple holes. I, I don't know much about reconstruction or building a construction, I guess. So putting it back, but I was able to get it apart. <laughs> and uh, so I drilled my holes. I was happy with them. And then I put my sump. I found a sump somewhere. It's got a, I've got about a 60-ounce sump that's in there. And the, the two drains go into the sump. I originally had a Euro-Reef skimmer in there. I plumbed a pump into it, and the pump returns like an octopus almost. It goes, it divides into four one-inch lines. The four one-inch lines follow basically the, the the lines until they hit the wall in the bedroom. Then they go up and go uh, to the top of the tank, basically, where, where they return, where I put two sea swirls on the top of the tank. They come back through the wall into the canopy and then divide their four ways. Two were drilled into the tank right next to the overflow that return with bulkheads. And then they come, because I have a an AGE tank, which has an acrylic Euro brace. So on the acrylic Euro brace, I drilled through it two holes. Mm-hmm. And then I put the two sea uh, swirls on the edges, and they, they turn and change flow for me. But it's four one-inch returns powered by a dart pump. Um, from there, it kind of grew. Uh, well, before you do that, mm-hmm. let's, let's go into the concept. Okay, so you have this big tank in your living room. Like you said, it's 270. Mm-hmm. It's up pretty high. I mean, that stand looks like it could be 42 inches high at least. Yeah, it's a 42-inch stand. Okay, so you got that. Mm-hmm. So technically, you have all this room underneath, and you decided not to put any gear under the tank. You yeah. want to put it in a closet around a corner behind a wall. I, I've had all the tanks, and most people have had tanks. that had tanks in their living room or their bedroom. It's that running water. It's really loud, or, you know, it may not be really loud, but it just gets annoying. Yeah. So you wanted to quiet things down. I, I wanted it quiet. I yeah, I wanted to make it as quiet as possible. And like I said, I had the extra bedroom, and I always wanted an in-wall tank or a. Uh, part of the reason I didn't do in the wall and put it in the bedroom is I didn't. I, I would have had to tear out the closet completely. Yeah. Plus, we have a real large living room, so the tank itself doesn't really protrude into the living room. No, too much. it fits the room nicely, and it really works out well. When you walk in the house, you see the three-foot side of the tank, yeah. and it looks like a tank in and of itself. And then as you turn the corner and you come around and look at it, it's a whole new dimension, basically. That's true. Uh, but that's why being in the living room and plumbing it through the other room was uh, the space underneath. I intended to put shelves down there. I never got to it. Uh, the tank itself was the stand and canopy were custom built. Um, the, the you know it is forty two inches tall. There's three doors on the bottom. On the canopy, I, I was really concerned about being able to get side access. Mm-hmm. So there's five doors on the canopy where I can get oh, in. All three in the front, and then there, there's three smaller doors in the front, and then there's two three-foot doors on both of the sides, so I can climb in from the side, either side, and work on the tank as well. You see, that's nice, because having front access to a tank that's like in-wall is very important, and a lot of people forego that. They just think they don't need it. 
Yeah. They'd rather work from the back, and then they once they do it, they decide how yeah. and frustrating that could be. The two doors on the side have been a tremendous help. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime I try and do something, they really do make a, a very, very big difference. Now, I saw three dogs and a cat. No cat. We have two dogs and a... Or two regular dogs and a dog that looks like a cat. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Because <laughs> as far as I saw a cat also. Okay, so... No. Three dogs, do they go in the fish room? Are you worried about their fur um, or anything getting into the equipment? I mean, into the water? No, they'll go in there, but they, they really have no interest. So no precautions, though? No. You haven't, like, no. put up a gate like they no, do No, the, the, the door's open, and they, they can go in. I, every once in a while, I catch one of them, and they're sniffing around at something. But they, for the most part, they don't go in there. They And you don't have any children to worry about either? No, no But kids. if you did, would you do anything different with your fish room the way it's set up? Um... You know, in all honesty, I think the house itself is pretty kid-proof because of the dogs too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't. I would change a little bit, but for the most part, I think it's pretty safe. Other than you know, I don't think anything in there could hurt them. Yeah. Uh, no, but, I didn't think you'd have a kid go in and drown. I just, yeah, you know, but I, I, I throw their toys in and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's everything. Everything here is open. Basically, everything yeah. in the fish room is open. All of it's open water, so you could drop something in it at any time. If the dogs wanted to go in there and drink water out of the tank, they could do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe, like, so, take that door off and put a half door? Uh, you know, the ones yeah. where the top half opens? Yeah, you if, you were trying, like, if you're trying to keep the, you know, keep the kids protected or protect the tank from the, the kids. keep the fur out of the system. Yeah, uh, you could easily put a little, one of those little half gates on there. Yeah. Um, or there is a door still on the, in, in the bedroom. I could close it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never installed an air conditioner. I've had a dehumidifier in there mm-hmm. to keep the moisture down, but I don't ever really turn it on anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depends on the winter, the summer, and what the weather's like. I do have an, a, a window unit I'm going to put in there before the summer rolls around again. It's sure. just it's just doing it. Um, I haven't gotten around to it yet. How, so, well, you've had this tank running for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think it just turned three. Oh. I think and you haven't felt the need year. for a window unit until now, so what changed? Yeah, um, well... The good thing about this tank is the the, the large uh, water volume, surface volume, mm-hmm. is it doesn't warm up that much. And going into the other room, it's basically two different temperatures. There's a room, and the, the temperature in the bedroom is different than what it's going to be in the living room. Yeah. So they don't really, they either the heat each other up. Over there. Yeah, they're either heating each other up or cooling each other down. Mm-hmm. So I've always been able to keep it pretty steady without a chiller. I have a chiller, but it, half the year it's not even plugged in. Right. And it is plugged in, it's really not running that much. Um, I do keep the house pretty cool itself in the, in the summer for the air conditioner because being in Texas, it's 105 degrees. You keep it pretty cool in here. So what temperature do you keep it at? Uh, the tank itself, it in the summer, it probably ranges from about 82, I'm sorry, 80 to uh, 82, 83, maybe tops. That's the tank. Uh, the tank. So the temperature of the room? I mean, oh, temperature the temperature, of the house. oh, temperature of the house. What are you choosing for your numbers, what I'm asking? For the air conditioning, you mean? Mm-hmm. It's probably uh, uh, 75 degrees in here, typically 75 to 78 in the house. Yeah. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, somebody told me years ago that, you know, the tank will run basically five degrees above it, mm-hmm. uh, above whatever the room temperature is, yeah. which is pretty true to form, depending on the size of the tank and the amount of lights you have on it. Uh, a tank this size and the way it's configured, it, it, it'll run two to three degrees, four degrees above whatever the room does, as long yeah. as the water's turning over properly. Well, I have a fish room as well, of course. Uh, my tank is in wall, mm-hmm. and so I do use a window unit to keep that room cool. And in the summer, I mean, it's it's changed over the years. When I first set up the tank five and a half years ago, I had to keep the window unit at like, I think it was 76, 77. Mm-hmm. And 
that window unit only lasts for about two and a half years. So yeah. they got a new window unit that was supposed to be more efficient. It uses less BTU. Uh, no, same BTU, still 8,000 BTUs, but it was only six amps of power instead of eight. So I was saving a little bit of money on electricity. Mm -hmm. And since it's on for like seven months in a row, I kind of wanted to save some money yeah. on that bill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I understand. So that one, I had to keep it running at 74 to 75 to keep the tank at the range of 79 at night to 81 in the daytime. Mm -hmm. So my tank, I really, if my tank crosses over 81, I'm usually surprised. And yeah. Because I'm able to, you know, lock in that room. And and, and in my tank, I don't, I don't mind it getting to the 82, or even if it gets to 84 on the rare occasion of the summer, I, it, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, I've had tanks maintain it that heat, you know. Above 84 makes me nervous. Right. Uh, especially <laughs> if you're used to keeping it in the 80, 80 range. Yeah. Um, in the winter, like right now, it's it it varies from about 78 to 80 and right in that range. And uh, no chiller. Uh, no. Well, I have a chiller on it, but I don't really use it. I don't ever really plug it in. Uh, if, yeah, it, it's basically for <laughs> that there. That sounds practical. It's, I don't plug it's it in. there if, well, if, if my air conditioner went out. Yeah, no, I um, understand what you're saying. It just it makes you know, me laugh because I'm thinking the whole idea is that if you're not around, it's supposed well, to be like taking care of it. And, and, and uh, you know, if I went out of town, I'd plug it in. Huh. Um, but if uh, the, the tank itself, it's about 600 gallons of water. Yeah. And it really does stabilize itself temperature-wise. Mm -hmm. Uh, it will have little swings here and there, and, um, but for the most part, it, it's pretty stable. It, it's it's not one of those things that I, I don't have a huge chiller on. I think it's a, a third horse or a fourth horse. Yeah. So it couldn't cool the whole system down efficiently, anyways. But it could help but it from getting too hot. It, it could exactly. So if it was really, you know, I'd almost be better off freezing a block of RO yeah. and dropping a block of RO in there. Yeah, basically the the temperature runs. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's pretty stable. So the chiller, it, it's in the summer, it's plugged in all the time. It's kept at about, I think it's set to turn on at 83. See, I thought about buying a chiller, and I don't want to. Okay, I just don't. Yeah. I'm very anti-chiller, even though I live in Texas. I don't want to pay for it to run, okay? I don't want to pay for the chiller either. But yeah. I, I feel like if I could set one up that came on if my tank hit 85. Yeah. And brought it down to like 82. I got this one only once every yeah. seven years is when it would need to come on, like insurance. But I don't think it'll work. And I think the, they don't hold up like the that. The biggest problem with it is too is that um, when that thing does turn on, like in your system, you know, it's, it's hundreds of gallons as well. You know, I think around four hundred total. Yeah, see, I'm at six hundred. So yeah. if that thing kicked on, like I said, I think it's set at eighty three or eighty, it may be eighty five in the summer. I forget, but I do plug it in the summer. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> but right now I wouldn't have it on. But yeah, um, I know it's it's like below forty right yeah, now. Yeah, and I just open a window. Yeah, uh, which I do crack the window in there a lot in the winter. Uh, but I right now what would happen is if or I'm sorry in the summer if that thing kicked on at eighty five, mm -hmm. I have a better chance of hearing it running and doing something about the tank mm. uh, than I do of that thing chilling it. Yeah, because the six hundred gallons a third horsepower just won't it won't even put a dent. Do you well, have a controller on that tank? There is no controller. None of any I, kind? In fact, from my last tank, I uh, I do have an Octopus 3000, but I've never hooked it up. Wow. It's sitting in a box. Never, I've, I've wanted to buy, it's kind of like you with a chiller. Yeah. I just don't want to spend the money on it. If somebody out there wants to give me one, I'm all for it. You didn't enter the contest um, on Reef Addicts to try and win uh, the Reef Keeper Elite Net $500 did, did controller? Did I win? <laughs> don't you think you should enter? No, oh, I, I, I thought I entered <laughs> you thought you I entered. I thought I was automatically entered. Yeah. Um, no, actually, you have to actually do something. I opened my house. I baked cookies. No, that's not... 
And I thought I automatically, I not only got entered, but I Oh, you baked cookies. Yes, you automatically win. We have a, a president of our club. They were burnt. <laughs> they were burnt because you kept talking. Uh, That's a shock. You know what's funny is... Set a timer. Talk about, you know, rigging uh, rigging contest. We Last year, a couple years ago, we had our, our big conference, our, our local conference here, Next Wave, and... Our president of our club was talking. He really, really wanted this set of Tunzies. Oh, I really right. want these early. So he, he stuffed the thing with raffle tickets, and he had a bunch in there. But he ended up winning it. He pulled his own ticket and won. <laughs> and I still give him crap to this day saying, oh, yeah, you just happened to pull your own ticket out of the thing. You know? I bet he bent it. Oh, yeah. Sure he did. <laughs> Put sandpaper on it or something. Or he looked at the number and just made up a number anyways. Said, hey, that's mine. Wow. So. Okay, so other things you can do if you had a controller. Number one, it could set off a noisemaker. It could make a light come on another room with like a red light bulb or something to like bring it to your attention. Um, it could text you or email you. My, my problem is, yeah, where, where do I draw the line with it? Because I yeah. would, you know, I have an iPhone now, and I would get the iPhone app that would, you know, email me or text me or whatever. Yeah, see, me. mine's hooked up to the iPhone. Yeah. But you have to load the app to see what's going on with your tank. But I have the controller, the Apple Controller 3, mm-hmm. is designed to send me an email. And yeah. my emails come in automatically. I have it sent to my Gmail account, yeah. which is what I use my iPhone to check as Gmail. Yeah. That way I know what's going on on Facebook at all times. I've, I've, <laughs> I've looked at it numerous times about doing it, and uh, I just... <sighs> but the other thing about my controller that I do, that oh, this is what would help you. I'm sorry. Well, I'm saying with mine, you know, we talk about notifications or, you know, turning each other. Mine will turn off my lights if the tank gets too mm-hmm. hot. And I actually tell it, like, uh, I can't remember exactly because it's been so long since I programmed it, but basically, if the tank hits 84, the hottest metal halide turns off the 400-watt bulb. Yeah. And then if it goes up another point, it turns off the 250s. Yeah, see, and I, then I, it'll I turn off the, the VHOs. I don't you know? have the kind of money you do. I, I can't put, <laughs> you know, varying different types of no, wattages it's the same, and, no, it's the same. and lights. I, I mean... <laughs> I, I it's the same controller. You know, I just tell it to turn off A, B, C, D in this order. And that, the other benefit is when I look at my tank, if a light is off that shouldn't be off, it's like a visual indicator, temperature's wrong in the tank. Uh, you know, like, why are the VHOs the only ones on? It's three in the afternoon. I, and I would know the tank's too hot. When I go out of town and my wife's taking care of the tank and I come back and the lights are, the VHOs are on at four o'clock in the morning. And yeah, I'm, that's not good. It's some, you know, the power went out or something, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, no, usually... My tank is, it's it would be complex to most, but to me it's very simple. Yeah. And I think with the an aqua controller, which I, I would love to have, like I said, it's just it takes it to a complexity type of uh, makes it so complex that I'm just kind of uh, I don't know. Well, I understand. You know, I understand so. your concern. I honestly do because while I have the controller, it doesn't control everything because yeah. I'm afraid if the controller breaks. Everything breaks. Yeah. Or, so I have or, a control one thing that's lighting and notifications and heaters. Yeah. And then I have a different controller just for my calcium reactor. And then everything else is me. <laughs> yeah. Like the, my calcium reactor, I control it myself. Yeah. I don't know what the pH is going in. Yeah. I use a pH controller for I me. do it manually. I, it, yeah. I, I've used the same. I, in fact, I have a reactor. And uh, I think I was telling you this not too long ago. I have the exact same reactor in my garage. In case something happened to this one, yeah. I have that one. And, and it's an older reactor. It's a marine technical concept that was made 15 or 20 years ago. Right. And I have the exact same one. And it's the world's biggest pain in the ass to hook up and to get dialed in. But 
I just know how to dial this one in now. Yeah, or you, I could, you're familiar with it. I could dial it in 30 seconds. But if I gave it to somebody else and said, here, dial it in, they couldn't do it. There's no way. Many years ago, my um, Atari came out with a game system called the Atari uh, Jaguar. Do you remember that? It was a console game system, like Nintendo. But it's the Jaguar. Okay, anyway, I had this sure, game Mark. system for a while. Sure. So you never heard of it? How young are you? Anyway, it was so the very way. first 64-bit game system, I'll have you know. Advertised so, on the Super Bowl. Right after Pac-Man. Uh... <laughs> but the point was, I bought Electronics Boutique, which was a game store, like GameStop nowadays, right? Is this where cavemen etched on walls? Well, no, but they would tell you there's a warranty, but they didn't like to honor it. You know, you paid them some kind of like $150 extra. You bring in the game. Anyway, my point is, I went to this second Saturday flea market thing for electronics here in Dallas. Have you ever been to that? They do it from midnight to five in the morning on the if, second. If Saturday. I say yes, do you have absolutely no follow-up questions? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, fine. Boy, you really hate it when I digress slightly. <laughs> I have a second entire Atari Jaguar game system oh, I bought for twenty-five dollars at that flea market that. thing, okay. and I've never opened it. It's still backing up the original game system that I've had for what fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. It hasn't broken yet. Granted, yeah, we don't use it much. Like, your cast record is being used. If, if one is good, two is better. I know. And I do go by that theory. I now. always buy backups of everything. A lot of times when I've got to replace something, like, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, what is something that would break and replace? Uh, Ballast. Yeah. Power supply for a Vortex. Perfect example. If my uh, uh, RO machine, mm-hmm. if I need to replace the, the membranes in the RO machine, I sit there and think, well... I can replace the RO membranes for $100, or I can buy a new RO machine for $200, yeah. and, you know, and then I have two RO machines in case yeah. one breaks. So I have now I have four RO machines. I was going to tell you, I did the same thing so many years ago when I bought my first one. I said, I'm not going to buy, like, all new to everything. I'm just going to get a new one, because the thing is, yeah. the fittings, the housings, every bit of it's getting older. And if a fitting bursts, you know, breaks oh, and yeah. squirts water everywhere, that's a problem. And, you know, saying, well, yeah, but I put in all new membranes and new filters and all that and that's, in this old, brittle system. And that's exactly what happened my last one. I had, I had kind of, I had pieced together two of my older ones and pieced together and pieced together. And, and it just kept, it, it would leak in one place and then two days later it would leak in another and i get that fixed. And, yeah. and I'm real handy and I can fix any of those things. But it, it finally would just leak in a new place and I, I got tired of it. And yeah. I, I finally ordered a new one. Um, and I've got my new one. It runs. It's great. It's happy. So, but I, you know, I, I do that with mo- most things, though. You know, if one's good, two is better. And, and that's the one with the 75 gallon day membrane, right? Yeah. I, I got one from the Malev's Reef. And yeah, I heard he uh, sells a really good RODI system. Malev's Reef.com. Malev's Reef.com. Malev's Reef.com. No, it was funny because. When Drew contacted me, he was so anti getting a new one. Yeah. I just need one that does one gallon a day. Really, I have, and so you know, I have. I do recommend people if you're going to do a fish room or if you're going to get into the hobby seriously, get a vat, spend money on it. You can buy trash cans or a storage container. They're going to have get a yeah some type of poly storage container. Yeah, whether it's fifty gallons or two hundred gallons. So I bought two two hundred gallons and a seventy five gallon. That's a lot. Why I don't know, but I used I was using one. But you won't buy a controller. And, yeah, but these things, they don't break. I got no problem with them. They're never going to break. 
<laughs> so I got two 210 gallon vats and the 75. I didn't use the 75 for a long time unless I was moving a tank or something. Right. But the two 210s I used, one was salt, one was fresh. That's why I did it that way. Yeah. But I, I was telling Mark, I said, Mark, I don't need a 150 gallon per day RO. I'm not one of those guys that needs to hook it up and have that water in 30 seconds. Yeah. I have 210 gallons out in the garage at all times. Yeah. So it, that thing could drip out a gallon a day. It doesn't need to be a gallon an hour. It could be a gallon a day, and I'd be perfectly happy because it would fill up. And, well, and then my question posed to me is, well, what if you needed an emergency? There's 12 fish stores in town. Yeah. I would go to one. There's 500 members in our club and 3,000 people on the board. I will find somebody that has That's our smart. oil water. Yeah. So if, if I had an emergency. But but I couldn't seem to sell you a one-gallon-a-day membrane, no, could I? I couldn't find the one-gallon membrane. I ended up with a 75-gallon. So far, so good. You are the only 75-gallon-a-day membrane customer I've ever had. And I would have gone with 25 if we could have found it. <laughs> oh, you could have found it? What was if, the point? I would have done it. Actually, the most it. efficient membrane on the market is 75 gallons a day. Well, I've done Hands down, most I, efficient. Best I use it for rate. my top off, and I use it for my uh, saltwater changes. I've done, I think, three saltwater changes since then. No problems yet, so that's, Why that's a positive. Why would you? It's from Milosroof.com. That's a positive. <laughs> so far, so good with Milosroof.com. I am so good at the subliminal messaging. <laughs> okay, so you set up the tank in the living room. You put a whole bunch of aquarium crap in the room behind it, including the closet. Mm-hmm. What about circuits? How did you have enough uh, electricity for all this stuff? I had an electrician come in and run me two dedicated lines. Actually, I have three. We have a pond in the backyard, too. Oh. And so the pond got a dedicated... Were you Aquarius? Uh, apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm Aquarius at heart, I guess is the way to say it. Um, but we uh, we ran a dedicated line to the pond, too. Just to, I didn't want the pond's pump. In the base of the, all the pond has is one pump. Um, but I didn't want it drawing from the power from yeah. the main tank because they are basically on the same side of the house, same yeah. area, same. And we had a thing in our house where all the breakers were together. All, all the this house is very poorly like wired. double breaker. I mean, double switches um, on the breaker. Yeah, no, all the, all this house is poorly wired. Mm-hmm. So there's about twelve outlets in twelve different places that mm-hmm. were all connected to the same breaker. Yeah. So I could plug a vacuum in in the living room. And it would pop a, the same breaker that was controlling my TV in the other bedroom. It was very important. And the fan in the other bedroom. So we, uh, with the electricity, I had, I had an electrician come in and he ran me three dedicated lines mm-hmm. that have four outlets apiece, all with uh, a, a GFI plug um, to where it trips um, if there's a problem. One is dedicated. It's got a GFI breaker. That's mm-hmm. the outdoor line because obviously I couldn't put it out, a, a breaker outside. Um, or a, a GFI outside because the moisture would just make it pop whenever. Uh, and then inside, the, the four plug ones that are in here, um, there's one in the living room in where the big tank is, and then one right behind it in the where the drains go through the wall of the fish room. Yeah. And they're both next to where the the regular plugs are at, too. Um, what did that cost you? Was it a lot? Um, I think they were like uh, $80 a line. I think so. You paid them two hundred forty bucks for three new. Circuits. I think it was about two hundred something dollars, and okay. what it was—it's the copper line. This is when copper was a heyday for two or three years ago. Yeah. Uh, the copper line all the way into the garage through the attic, and then dropping the plugs in and cutting yeah. holes and and whatnot. And uh, I think they're about eighty dollars a piece. Uh, yeah. But I had him do my fans and all the bedrooms at the same time too. So did he do a load test while he was here? Um, I honestly don't remember if he did. Do you know what that is? 
Yeah, yeah. Same with the load of the electricity is on. Yeah, when when I had my electrician, I had one come out too. It was an Honestly, older guy. I don't want to know. No, I think, so, no. Okay, let me clarify. A no, load no. test is just to know how much the breaker can handle, not how much electricity you're using. Yeah. And what he did was, I said, look, I need a circuit here, I need a circuit here, I want this here. I don't want when my TV to be on, I don't want my, I don't yeah. want to be doing a water change and kill the room. Yeah. Which was happening. And so he went through, he did his stuff, and then he said, okay, I want you to go in there, I want you to turn on everything. He says, turn on the ceiling fan, turn on the lights, turn on, you know, your your heater, your battery backup, I mean, anything I had electronic, he said, turn it on. Yeah. And he had this uh, meter that has like a hook on the end. Yeah. And it wraps around the power cord. And somehow, magically, it just knows how much juice it tells going right through the hook. Through, yeah. It measures it like a microwave system. Um, and it would tell me, and he says, you know, everything's on, and you're still not at 80% of the load, so <laughs> we're fine. Well, that was before I got my 280. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got bigger stuff. And then I added the treadmill. Yeah. And last week, I moved it to a different... It, uh, well, yeah, I moved to a different plug. And it was The plug was close to the treadmill, but it wasn't the plug I've been using for the last, you know, since the beginning. Yeah. And... I finished my five mile run and it goes doo doo, you know, and it's it's powering down, and then the entire room, the tank, everything turned off because I forgot I was on the old circuit, you know, the one that I can't use. Yeah. So yeah, it's important to get an electrician in there to verify and do the uh, GFI breakers and the GFI outlets. In the discussion with him, that's how we ended up doing the three different lines was just you know, trying to watch what was going where, and uh, oddly enough, the the GFIs I use them on occasion. Uh, some Certain plugs go into them. They run certain things, but they don't run some a couple of the halides because the halides will make them pop. Sometimes, yeah. just in fact, I, I have in the the fish tank in the living room. It's got two um, no, I forget the name of them, but I've had them forever. They're made by Champions Lighting. The Blue Wave, Blue, no, not Blue Wave. Um, it's a type of ballast, right? It's a ballast. Yeah, Champion Lighting was selling them for a long time, but. I have those. I've had them forever. They're my original ballast. When electronic ballast first came out, they were one of the, the leaders in it. Right. And I bought those two. And I've had them forever. They've been great. They don't trip any breakers. But IceCap came out with a new 400-watt ballast a couple of years ago, and I bought two of those. Mm -hmm. And they will trip those GFI breakers every three or four nights. They'll just pop them. Wow. And so I've, I plugged those into the main lines that were the original lines. Yeah. And then a lot of the pumps and stuff run off the GFI things in case there's a water leak or something. Yeah. There is a little, you were asking about buzzers going off. There is a little line in the fish room that sits on the floor mm -hmm. that if the floor was wet, it would go off. It's just a little, you know, it's got the two positives. It's a water there. sensor. Exactly. A yeah. water sensor. So, um, but that, that's with, with the power. I mean, these things suck some juice. There's, the main tank has two 400-watt halides above it, 460-watt mm -hmm. VHOs, and my latest and greatest little T5 36-inch, the 470 or 420 nano, nanometer LEDs that I've been Yeah, the ice with. cap. Yeah, retro ice cap. LEDs. Yeah, retro LEDs, exactly. Yeah, they're really neat looking. They, they're very neat. i got some on the way to me, too. They've got some good color to them. They're, they're very unique. Um, I was hoping I could use them instead of my VHOs, but I was told add them in uh, addition to your VHOs. Yeah, and... And I, we'll flip them off later and see that, yeah, they couldn't be like VHOs. Yeah, I'd love to see your tank with it, you know, when the lights are off. That'd be great. Um, the, and then in the prop tanks, the I have the little, the smaller prop tank, it's, it's about, well, I call it a 30-gallon, but it's probably 40 or 50. It's basically like a 75-gallon cut in half. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not as tall. It's only about 12, 12 inches tall. Um, but it's got two, you know, 54-watt T5s on it, basically, T6s. Uh, and then the prop tank, the 180, 
has a very similar lighting to the main tank because I want them to be the same. It's got two 400 watt halides and two wow. 110 watt VHOs. That's a lot. So we sucked some juice. Yeah, no so, doubt. But so it's but good I, you used an electrician, didn't do it yourself. Yeah, but I wanted to be able to move corals freely between the two tanks. Right. So that's why they're plumbed together. And the lighting's very similar. So, I so the only to, difference is really it's going to be flow. Is flow, exactly. Yeah. And now the flow is even kind of equaled up. They both have wave boxes on them now. Oh, nice. Um, and in fact, in there, I can, in that tank, it, it's six feet by 30 inches front to back by about 20 tall. And I can create a wave crest in there that will flip, will go over the side of the tank with wow. the wave box. So anybody looking to get a Tunzi wave box, <laughs> it's well worth it. Yeah. Uh, I've been very happy. With, I, I bought one and I, I was so happy with it, I bought another and I have two now that, like I said, run individual tanks. So. I've seen some people put the wave box on the back of the tank and point it forward and they still get the sideways wave. Yeah. Yeah, it, it will. It would be nice to see you do that on this so we don't have to look that in the front corner. Um, I, I had it in the back corner. Um, Did it fit with that elbow coming down like that? It was in the back corner going the other way. Uh, well, facing the same direction, but it was in the back. No, I would have faced um, it forward. Yeah, I can't fit, face forward. I have to pull the tank out to put the magnets on it. Because oh. I only have about a half inch of space. That's not enough And space. the magnet won't quite fit. So you could cut some sheetrock out. Your wife won't mind. You've already done it before. I could break the sheetrock out, which I would Just do. start punching through with your yeah. incredible Hulk hands. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I can usually kick. I like to kick. Um, but I, uh, in fact, I got a story about a guy. When I worked at a fish store in Florida... Uh, fish and other icky things. Anybody that's anywhere around Tampa or Oldsmar or St. Pete, go see John. Ask him about kicking holes in the uh, or kicking holes in the walls at the fish store. Really? Yeah, he was. Uh, that was you? No, that was John. John was. He thought he was a karate master. He would kick holes and throw things. And... Now the electrician that came in, he wasn't kicking holes in anything. He no, was, no, he did all professional. Yeah, he he got up there and climbed up there and put holes. In. Do you have anything you plugged into where you said I? Well, you mentioned these two lights couldn't be on the GFI circuit. Yeah. But are you finding the same juggling act in your fish room where certain things can't be plugged in GFI and are better off plugged in a regular outlet that um, doesn't, doesn't have GFI it's, protection? It's mainly those, the uh, the ballast, those, the Swarner Watt ballast. Uh, everything else I think I've plugged in there has been fine. Uh, but the, the 400 watts will pop them. See, for my system in my fish room, I've chosen to have my return pump mm -hmm. on my regular breaker as well as all my Vortex and probably the heaters are on there too, unfortunately, to be honest. I don't think they should be, but I think I rearranged things not too long ago. But the point is, I wanted a breaker that would not trip to provide circulation at all times. Yeah. I don't want a nuisance trip to turn off my flow. Um, the main pump can go off. It can trip and go off. Um, in fact, what I did is I got one of those little remote Christmas lights. Yeah. And it's got an on-off button with a little power strip that the thing plugs in. So anytime I feed the fish, I turn the pumps off. Oh, neat. I hit the off button and I hit the on button. And it's just simple. turns the pumps off, the main pump off. You know, the, the, the Vortec runs and the, the Tunzies run. But you're keeping the food in the tank. But the food stays in the tank. And with 60 fish, yeah. I feed a whole pack of food at a time. I mean, it's it looks like it's snowing in there. It's crazy. And within seconds, it's gone. I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll wipe it clean within seconds. But if the pumps were still running, it, it's a dart return pump, it would take half that food out in the blink of an eye. And I right. use filter socks. Oh, a lot of people don't believe them, but I, I always use them. Yeah. Um, I just prefer, and it, if you see the people talk about what takes your copepods out, well, I've got 600 gallons of water, and if I'm killing all my copepods by using two filter socks, it's not 
I don't have enough, co- you know, something's wrong. But you have a lot of filter sauce because you said you were doing the laundry when I came in and you were yeah. watching filter sauce. I, uh, I buy about four or six at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I buy about, every six months, I probably buy six. So I have about 18 right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe 20. And I, I used my last one a few days ago. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff was getting kicked up catching this rass and everything. So, right. Uh, there, I went through them real quick. In fact, I had just bought four or five new ones in the last month and I had to use them. And then when they're dirty, where you, since we're talking about that, where do you store them? They stay uh, in the fish room? Yeah, I have a Tupperware that I just fold them up and I, I lay them in the Tupperware. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Until you have enough them. to do, like, laundry. Exactly. And then, and then you're washing them with? Uh, I wash them with bleach. I bleach put, in the washing machine. I put bleach in the washing machine and I put it on hot and I run it on hot the first run and then mild or uh, warm. It price, yeah, it's price uh, knob. You yeah, and then I, I switch the knob to, to warm. I, oh. I run a, a full load, uh, hot and warm, which mm-hmm. most people don't have hot and warm, but I change it in between the loads. Yeah, and then I run it usually two or three more times, oh, just wow. to make sure there's as little bleach left as possible. Right, I hang them out in the garage for you know a week or two and let them. Oh yeah, but then they're fine. And then they they dry out as long as they don't smell like bleach. Yeah. I trust them, you know. Um, and then you know if I if for some reason I didn't trust them, I just wash them again. So, but uh, I do. Uh, I'll have there be twelve or fourteen or eighteen sitting out there at a time. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And then we have a month's worth. Yeah, basically. exactly. And I do change them. I change them. Uh, these are big filter socks. They're, I think they're probably twelve inches wide by thirty six inches long. Wow. And I go through with a draw, drawstring on them. I guess. Um, they do have drawstrings, but most of them get ripped off in the wash. <laughs> so yeah. the new ones have drawstrings. The old ones don't. Right. But I. Uh, I use them. Uh, I get about two weeks of use out of them, mm-hmm. and so I get to change. It's a long time. Yeah. Well, you find fish in them. Uh, I'll I find fish in them all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll find bargobies, especially with these new bargobies, these small ones. Yeah. I'll find them in there. I've found skeletons before. Fish yeah, I was gonna say the fish lived. Um, yeah, I've had fish live in them. I mean, wow. yeah, the fish that have disappeared and I thought were gone a week ago, and I found them in there. And still Swimming in the washing machine in the bleach water. Like, <laughs> oh, there he is. And I, I'm real neurotic when I when I clean them. Uh, I, when I, before I put them in the washing machine, I usually turn them inside out. Yeah. And I take all the little brittle stars off and all the copepods. Save everybody. Oh yeah, it's just me and karma, and so I feel bad, you know. So yeah. So I try and save as many as possible. So, but then I go dump them back in the tanks, and of course I dump them in there and fish eat them. So, but uh, good you know, good system so, there. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we pretty much talked about electricity. I do want to mention a couple of rules of thumb just while we're on the topic. If um, you have a 15-amp breaker, you're allowed to use 12 amps of power. That's 80%. If you have a 20-amp breaker, you're allowed to use 16 amps, which would be 80%. In other words, your regular flow should always be 80% of what the breaker can handle. The reason for this is so that way that the wires and the walls don't overheat and cause a fire to burn your home down. So it's very important to make sure you're not pulling too much load. So if you can have an electrician come look, that would be ideal. So he can double check and actually verify your numbers. Of course, you can do the math yourself, but there's always the option of getting a hired professional who knows what they're talking about to come on in. When you are installing your electrical stuff, it's good to consider whether they're going to get wet. And like Drew was saying, I can't put a GFI button outlet outside because of the moisture because it would probably trip as a nuisance trip. But even inside your fish room, if the room gets humid, your outlets can get really rusted on the inside. They can get corroded from the salt creep. And so you want to look at your electrical items and see if there's some way to seal them with like a weatherproof box 
I've actually bought weatherproofing type boxes with plastic covers that fold down. I've glued PVC plumbing together to run the wiring through it to keep moisture out. I did everything I could to keep as the chance of water getting up to avoid water getting into my electrical outlets because they're hanging right over the sump and I always felt there was a risk. Something could just start squirting upward and hit these items and cause a short. And so every single one of my outlets was hanging over the sump. Every one of them had a GFI button, but they were all wired separately. Yeah. So that way, if one popped, all the others were still alive. Yeah, and a lot of people have always done, you know, I've had firemen that are good friends and said, you know, always want to have a loop. Always make sure the plug is above your your, your southernmost point, basically, of your yeah. wires. You know, and you don't want as few wires running on the floor as possible. Yeah, that's true. Especially in a fish a fish room, you're gonna have water. I mean, and I, people ask me, you know, what are you most proud of of your tank? And I, I remember a few months ago or probably a year ago, there was a thread about that. People were, you know, what's what's what are you most proud of in your tank? And I, you know, with your tank build or anything, coral fish. And I said I was most proud that my tank had never flooded. I hadn't yeah. flooded the house. Nice. I mean, and I tell people that. No matter how safe you are, how good you are at this, you're going to get water on the floor. You're going to spill. I mean, you're going to have leaks. I mean, yeah. it just happens. And and that's one thing that, you know, I, I have leaks in there. I find random leaks at times. Or a pump, you know, my a couple months ago, my, my main return pump had shaken the bulkhead loose that goes into the sump. So it had, a, nice, too. It had a good little <laughs> drip going to it. So yeah. just if people that have, if you're going to do a big tank, after a year, you better keep an eye on that, that pump, that return pump, because it's going to shake loose. Yeah. So One of the things you can do to avoid that slight shake is to use SpaFlex plumbing yeah. between the bulkhead and the pump to absorb some of the vibration. And, and put styrofoam underneath your pump as well. That, as that'll well. help with it. Yeah. Um, it, it just. But it, being able to see the floor mm-hmm. is very smart. I yeah. agree with you 100%. Yeah. I've got an area, unfortunately, because of where my fish room is, it's actually a portion of the garage I took away. You step down into the garage, mm-hmm. and everyone that comes to my house that wants to walk into the fish room, because they're like, oh my god, look how big that skimmer is, and then they fall forward because it's a step down, and no one notices there's a step. I oh. noticed, I walked right in ahead of them, but they didn't see me step down. So many times I thought, maybe I should just buy some treated lumber and make this downhill Little like, ramp. slatted ramp type thing, but then I wouldn't see the floor. I wouldn't see if it got yeah. wet, and I want to know if the floor's wet. And I'm not going to take the thing out occasionally and check under it. Yeah. So I've just, I have stepped down. I tell people to please step down, you know. Yeah, and, and that is true. I mean, I, I'll go in there some days and there'll be water in a spot. And I'll just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did this come from? Yeah. What, what are we doing here? So I had an aqualifter pump that was leaking. It was my top-off pump. And it, you could just hear water leaking. And it was, and I mean, I could just see this water, but I couldn't hear where it was coming from. And eventually I found it and I was happy. But... I just took the pump apart, found the leaky diaphragm, made a slight adjustment, and fixed it, made yeah. it work again. But I, if I'd had that floor covered with this really cool-looking treated lumber deck, and I tell you, I would never if, know. If you can't work on your own equipment, don't do a fish room. I mean, that's a big thing about it because yeah. you need to know. You know, yeah, I had an electrician put in the lines, and but those are built into the wall and like that. But yeah. if you don't know how to work on a pump, or you don't know how to take apart a bulkhead, or because Things happen in an instant, and you need to be able to fix them. So one of the benefits of a fish room is having a spot to stick all your extra backup gear. Yeah. <laughs> with, you know, where, uh, with my room, like, I, 
like I said, it was already tiled, which was perfect. Tile, tile in a fish room is very important. Yeah. Um, you don't want wood floors. You don't want carpet. You don't want carpet. You, it's gonna get wet. Yeah. And even people say, "Well, I'm not gonna spill anything." Great moisture. <laughs> and that's great. More power to you. If you're not yeah. gonna spill water, you're great. You're, yeah. It's unbelievable if you can do that. But moisture itself will get in there. Yeah. Moisture will get anywhere in that room. I've got moisture spots in that room all over it. Dehumidifiers are really good. They'll help control the moisture. Yeah. But you'll still get water in there. There's still moisture in the air. I and mean, if the dehumidifier doesn't turn off automatically, it's yeah. going to overflow water too. And, and my my 600 gallons, which is in in that room, you know, there's you know 300 gallons of water, give or take a little bit. But that will, I mean, it'll evaporate four or five gallons a day yeah. sometimes. I mean, I'll that water will evaporate, and it's going somewhere. Right. You know, and basically, if you don't have an air conditioner on, you don't have a heater on in your house, that moisture is staying in the air. Yeah, it is. So and if you had carpet, it's just going to get soaked up in the carpet. It'll eat the tacks away. It'll put rust stains on your floor. Right. It's a nightmare. Tile's a good thing. So Tile, linoleum, concrete would be fine. Yeah, concrete's perfectly fine. Floor drain be even better. Yeah. You know, I, I thought about cutting a floor drain at one point. Did you really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In fact... In in ever you know debating whether or not ever to have my own fish store, I yeah. knew I would need floor drains. It's yeah. it's one of the best ideas in the world to have a floor drain. One of the things you can do with the fish room also is where the walls touch the floor, especially if you're remodeling. Your I say remodel. Let's say you're designing from scratch. That's a mm-hmm. better way to describe it. Don't let the sheetrock touch the floor. Have the sheetrock up a half an inch. You know, yeah. like normal, like regular home oh. construction. And then get that rubber baseboard, the commercial baseboard, and glue that along the bottom of the wall, and then silicone the rubber baseboard to the floor. Yeah. The benefit is it will trap the water in the room inside of you just, your threshold. You've got to make sure you silicone every bit of it. Yeah. Because if you leave a dot, water. I tell people all the time, water will find a way. Oh yeah, and the thing water, is, it's going to go. You have doorways. Yeah. And we if don't it's have stuck in there, through. it's gone. Yeah. You know. And but uh, if you want to stop, like you have a great example here. If you had water in the fish room, you wouldn't want it to come into your living room. Yeah. And if your living room had carpet or hardwood, you definitely wouldn't want water to come under the wall. So by having the silicone barrier, you trap the water on the other side of the wall. At least it keeps the moisture over there. You can clean it up. You can make everything look good again. But your living room is totally unaffected. Yeah. Same thing with mine. I siliconed the baseboard to the concrete floor of my fish room. Mm -hmm. So unless the front tank, I mean my display tank, just starts leaking out the front panel... As long as something's yeah. happening in the back, it's going to stay in the fish room. It's going to go down the garage floor and out yeah. the garage door. And that's and exactly it. You, you got. I always tell people pay attention to what, the way water flows. Yeah, the slope you know, of the floor. Somebody was asking me, you know, what what happens if, if your two hundred gallon or your two seventy ruptured? I said, well, there'd be two inches of water all over the house. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it would it would flood. Yeah. People don't realize how much water is in a tank, and you need to take that into consideration. How much water is actually there, and where is it going to go if there's a problem? Yeah. And, uh, you know, mine's five feet away from the back door, and it's sloped a little bit. It will hit the floor, and hopefully it goes out the back door. You know, that's what we're aiming for. Wouldn't that be nice if you could just open the back door and the water just flows out there? No, it wouldn't be nice, because we don't want to see it happen. <laughs> okay, that's true. But, uh, <laughs> but with the, the fish room, you, know, you do need to pick the right room. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to... Run, you know, the you don't want the drains running 20 feet away, you yeah. know, and you want to make sure the drains are always draining downward. You know, anytime you have them go up a little bit, you have the chance of things settling in there, things getting stuck, 
and not draining properly. Right. And then it backs up and you have major problems, especially with a big tank and a fish room because you're pumping a lot more water through those drains than you normally would. That's a, one of the reasons why I refuse to put ball valves on drain lines. Yeah. I don't want anything that restricts the drain I, line I, ever. I, t- I tell people a lot, a lot, you know, don't restrict your flow. If yeah. you're going to restrict the flow, it's going to be restricted to your bulkheads. Yeah. And from there, you want it to free flow. Free flow. Yeah, I totally agree. That, I, mean, your bulkheads, I don't use check valves. I don't use ball valves. I, don't, I just want it to be an open pipe. Because yeah. like when a fish does go down the drain, at least it can make it out the other end. It doesn't become a Or a snail gets stuck. In. That's when, I, when I ordered the two-inch drains, the guy looked at me like I had two heads. Well, I wanted <laughs> two-inch drains. And I said, right. because... Anything can fit down there. There's not a snail big enough right now that won't fit through those holes. Yeah. And that's a big deal. I mean, and I do recommend to people that if they have a standard tank that, you know, Oceanic drilled the holes and it's a one and a quarter inch drain. Yeah. You make the, put the, you know, do a one and a half inch pipe, a Durso going yeah. into it. The bulkhead's small, obviously, but then have it come out the other side in a one and a half inch. Yeah. You know, don't just, just bottleneck it. that one tiny spot. Exactly. And exactly. And that yeah. way, you have a better chance of catching it if there's a problem. No, so. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, so you touched on humidity and dehumidifiers. That's something I, I don't use a dehumidifier. I found, I took one, I, I mean, one of the stores that I shop at, he had two of them hooked up and I mm-hmm. measured the electricity consumption. Oh. And I thought, man, that's terrible. Because I was thinking, oh, I'll just run a dehumidifier so I don't have to run the window unit. Yeah. But when I found or that I they used almost the same amount of power, I was like, what's the point? Because the dehumidifier is going to add heat to the room. Or I'm going to have to have it vent into the garage, which is already hot in summer, because that's when I'd be using it the most. So I decided to forget the dehumidifier. In your case, it's worked out well for you, because you're de- you're dehumidifying an entire room. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, you know, I can put it in a different room and have it just, just keep the moisture down in, in, in there. Um, so it's good and bad. I yeah. mean, it does, it sucks the electricity. So it, it's... I think it's better for because it's not killing the chiller or the air conditioning unit in your house. Yeah. Because it's pulling the salt water out of the air, yeah. um, and it but it will pull in some water. You, you you would not believe how much water a dehumidifier will fill. I mean, it, it has like a I think it's a three or four gallon or probably three gallon you know vat on the it. Reservoir. Yeah. Yeah. Reservoir, and I mean it'll be full in a few hours. It's yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, you have to drain like twice a day. Oh yeah, and I. I eventually I'll hard plumb it yeah. to where it has a drain going outside of the house. That'd be wonderful. Uh, I love that. I, I just hadn't figured out how to do it yet. I haven't because I don't want to. <laughs> it's just a hole brick. in another wall. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but it's going out the brick, and yeah. I haven't quite figured that. Out. I, I've talked to some guys that have done it before and yeah. told me how to do it, and, and I, I've considered. I just haven't gotten to that point. Yeah. Um, I, I don't run it enough to do that. Right. Uh, it's kind of like the chiller. I only put it in there and run it at certain times. So years ago, my central air conditioner. The drain, because an air conditioner clogged. drains tons of water, yeah. it clogged, and I didn't know what to do, just didn't have a clue. I had no clue, so I called the air conditioner company, you know, we'll come tomorrow. So I had it draining into a bucket, mm-hmm. and I dumped out the bucket and put the, and I emptied the bucket up, I don't know, 10 times in 12 hours? I mean, it had drained something like 16 to 18 gallons of water in one evening. Yeah. I was shocked how much humidity was being pulled out of my entire house. Yeah. You need, uh, you know, for that kind of situation, chlorine tablets or, or, or bleach tablets. They make little tablets you drop in there just for future reference for anybody oh, nice. out there. That's, they always say pour bleach in there. It's such a strange thing to dump make, in there. It's algae that's clogging it. Oh. it you get, it's algae typically that's clogging your, your drain line going yeah. out of the house and and that's what you're trying to get rid of is the I'll outside. I'll some astrias in there. They'll take care of it. That's what I do usually, you know. So, uh, <laughs> okay, so while we're talking about these air conditioner dehumidifier, let's point out, do not use the central home's AC system to cool your fish room. Yeah. 
Because it's a terrible plan. Number one, your thermostat is not in the fish room. Your thermostat's in the living area or your bedrooms. And, and, and the fish room could be 110 degrees. Exactly. And the thermostat in your bedroom is saying 76. And, and, and your that if you did try and plumb it together or something to, to be able to, pull duct it, it. to duct it to pull the air out, you are doing nothing but pulling salt water over a metal coil. Yes. And it will ruin that coil in a matter of months. It'll even ru- ruin it in reverse. Yeah. When you get negative pressure and air is blowing back through the ductwork and into your AC, not yeah. coming from the AC, but it's just going through backwards because you open a door to the house, uh-huh. that salty air goes in and starts eroding the coils. Yeah, that salt, I mean, for people, if you think you're saving a few hundred dollars by not buying a chiller or not buying a dehumidifier or not, you know, ventilating it properly out of the house, yeah, you're... Losing thousands because that AC unit, when when it goes out, it can be thousands and thousands of dollars to replace. Yeah, I totally agree. And so one of the things that I ended up doing is I ended up putting a vent in my fish room in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I decided to put the vent directly over my aquarium, over the lighting, over the ballasts. Because mm-hmm. I had the, the way a tank used to be set up, I had the metal halide lights right over the tank. Above that was a shelf with all these super hot ballasts. They were just smoking hot. And I thought, let me put the vent right there. Yeah. Let's take the heat out at the source. And so I had to cut through the sheetrock, and I took a, a, it's a bathroom fan. It's one that uses very, it uses about two amps of power, unfortunately, but it uses one zone of sound effect. And apparently the more zones, the worse it is. So like if you go to the convenience store's bathroom and you can hear that fan mm-hmm. just making all kinds of noise, that's like 14 zones. Yeah. If you want to get one that's quiet, you want something that's very low, like three zone, two zone, one zone. I put a one zone vent fan in my fish room. I can't hear it unless I put my ear against the, the mm-hmm. grill. It's that quiet. And then I ran a duct, uh, that same metal tubing, that four inch duct that you do off the back of a dryer, the rigid kind, not the soft, yeah. uh, spongy, slinky kind, but the, it's a rigid pipe that is slightly bendy. Mm-hmm. And I was able to put that onto the vent and run it right out the whirly bird in the attic. Mm-hmm. So... It's blowing the air right out of the fish room and out the whirly bird. It doesn't stay in the attic because I don't want mold in my attic either. Yeah. I want that air gone. And if you look at the back of my house, the whirly bird is spinning super fast yeah. while the other one's just doing its normal spin. I don't ventilate the uh, out of the fish room, but out of the main tank, out of the back of the canopy, there's a, a single fan that sucks out of the canopy the heat out yeah. and the moisture out. And it goes into a four-inch piece of flex tubing like you're talking about. It goes through the fish room mm-hmm. and straight up into the attic, mm-hmm. and it, it ventilates into the attic. Yeah, but and at it, some point you're gonna have to go up there and see if you use some black mold. And or something. I, I checked on it to make sure there's not a lot of moisture getting up there, but yeah, the, a lot of the moisture is contained in the fish room, and this thing mainly pulls the heat. It only runs during the when the halides are on. Oh, okay. So it's not you know taking the evaporation at night, the cold, the cold evaporated water, which yeah. is you know worse than the, the heated water, I think. So right. Um, so far, I haven't had any problems with it, but like you said, if you could ventilate it to a whirly bird or its own exhaust, yeah. that would be ideal. And you can go out the soffit, you can go right yeah. out the roof. I mean, exactly. there's lots of choices. If, if you've got space to do it and get it out, and, and again, just like with the, you know, with things, water running downward, with, with these, you want it to run upward because yeah. the heated air and the, and the moisture, you want it going up. So you want everything to go face and upward. No, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. My fan looks terrible right now. It's yeah. just, it's so corroded with salt and crud. Oh. I know I'm going to have to buy another one at some point and replace yeah. the motor. Now, the other thing you mentioned earlier is that sometimes you crack the window to your fish room. <laughs> and I do the same thing. I open the doors to my yeah. fish room and let the air from outside. You know, I open the garage door. I open the door between the fish room and the garage to let that air in. Yeah. And usually that would be like, you know, it's kind of funny. 
This time of year has been really cold. Mm -hmm. And because of the lighting I'm using now, because the lumen brights, they're so much higher up off the water. My tank doesn't get that hot. I found that, you know, if it's 32 degrees outside, I don't need to open anything. I just leave the fish room closed. And a little bit of heat that's coming from my tank with the vent fan on, it's enough to keep the tank right at 81. But at night, that vent fan's running all night, and my mm -hmm. tank will drop down and down and down, and my heaters are coming on. So what I found is if we're below 32, if it's really cold, yeah. I'll turn off the vent fan to trap the moist air for the night, mm -hmm. and then in the morning I flip the switch back on. Now, obviously, forgetting would be a terrible thing. You could put that switch on the timer. Yeah. Some people buy a thing called a humidistat, and it's yeah, designed to make the fan turn on when the humidity is a certain level. Yeah. But that's just a gizmo I've never purchased. And... and with cracking the window, it's crazy because, you know, in, in the weather down here, some days it'll be a hundred times more moist than other days. You yeah. know, I'll come in there and it'll feel like you're sweating because it'll be so so moist in there because the window's open. It's letting the cold air in yeah. and it's bringing moisture in with it too. And it's creating the, the I mean, it's like almost raining in the room. It's like a tropical forest. Yeah. And then other days it's perfect because it'll pull that air out, the moist air out, and it'll ventilate great. Yeah. You know? And getting just, that fresh air in is good for the aquarium because mm -hmm. the pH stays up on the tank. Yeah. So it, it, if you have a window in a, in a fish room, I'd recommend if you can keep it cracked and try it. Yeah. You know, it, it's You it's might find beneficial. certain months of the year you can, certain mm -hmm. months you can't. Yeah. Like this time of year, I'm just not worrying about it. But no. when we get to spring and fall, I don't use the window unit. Yeah. I do have the vent fan on, and I open those doors according to what the tank needs because I work out of my home. I'm yeah. there. If I wasn't there, if I, you know, I do travel every month, but I haven't got to the point where I have to have a chiller sitting on the tank like you're describing. Yeah. I hope I never have to do that because my window unit has cost me $35 a month extra electricity. Oh, and... And that's the thing. I do keep my house cold in the yeah. summer, which... Keeps the tank cold, yeah, and and it's kind of a vicious cycle because I I work it for both, and mm -hmm. I have to pay the electricity bill every summer, and it gets up there. I mean, That's I terrible. I mean, I will have to pay some serious bills, but I know that I can't rely on that air conditioner to chill that tank. Right. If you do that, yeah, you're, like you said, if the air conditioner you're breaks, asking for heartache. Yeah, yeah if because as soon as you go out of town, in fact, this year I went out of town. We we went on vacation. I came back. And the air conditioner was barely blowing when I got back. I couldn't yeah. figure out what was going on. And my buddy, who was staying here, that the house ended up, uh, the, the uh, air conditioner had gotten clogged, and it was freezing up. The entire freezer, the entire air conditioner was frozen solid, yeah. like a block of ice. Yeah. And uh, I had to defrost it and take the whole air conditioner apart and clean it real good. And, Were you in there with a the hair dryer? Uh, no, I wasn't in the hair dryer. I took, I did the outside line with the hose. Okay. And then the the, uh, uh, the outside line was the hose. And then the inside, uh, I forget how I did it. You might have just left it off. I think I did. I let, I let it off and just let it drain itself. I've done the hairdryer thing on the end. You know, you crawl into there it's and you're pointing it straight. You got all that water dripping and you're holding an electric hairdryer. You're just like, I'm going to die. It happen, so. <laughs> I know. You're like, why don't more people do this? <laughs> but if you, can fit, if you can do a vent fan in, in your house, it doesn't really detract from your value. You can close that, that hole pretty easily. You can close any of these holes. It's I mean, worth it. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. No, fan. it's vital. <laughs> yeah. For the first two years, I didn't do the vent fan. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't in the winter. It was in the summer that my fish room gets soaking wet at night. Yeah. And it's because I had the window unit running 24-7 to keep the room stable. And it's but just putting cold night, air in. Yeah. Well, all night, it, the compressor would never come on. It would come on for like minutes. Yeah. And then the fan would blow around that moist air and the skimmer was releasing moisture nonstop. And it would get so wet, water would just roll down the walls. Mm -hmm. I had my home alarm system short out. I had my sprinkler system short out. I had my 
controller short out. I had so many things burning up. I was like, well, I got to do something. Yeah. And I couldn't open the door because it was too hot going to the garage. So I couldn't let that hot air in all night. I mean, I just, I had to do the vent fan. Yeah. And I didn't like having to do it after the tank was set up. But I just tarped it off like you would if you're painting. I turned off all the lights. I turned off all the flow. Mm -hmm. I put up tarps. I taped it all up. And I cut my holes with the Sawzall. I stuck that vent fan in, powered it up, took the tarps down, turned it on, and yeah. it's, I've been in business. It is. Since. It is a good a good thing to plan is to have a vent. Like I, when I set the tank up, the the two seventy up, I put that vent in to the main tank. And yeah, that was before the whole fish room really came to fruition. Yeah, now that you have the fish room, you almost need to. With the yeah, I need. To, I I do have like I said, the dehumidifier helps if it if yes. it gets really humid in there this That's summer. True. But. Uh, and the chiller would help with it too. Chillers will take it out too. But again, using a chiller to dehumidify your room is just asinine. <laughs> so you're just asking for heartaches. Yeah, it's too expensive. Now you talk about adding a window unit, and so that'll help some too, and yeah. kind of combating temperature issues there. But the vent fan is probably your best choice. Yeah, and, I, and I, because I, it'll draw the cool air from the rest of the house into that room, mm -hmm. and it'll take the moist air right out and yeah. right out your roof or out your soffit. Yeah, and I've been re I've been reworking the the air conditioning unit in the house, the main unit, trying to get it uh, more efficient. Basically. Did you close off the vent to that room so it doesn't bring in, so you uh, don't have to worry about it blowing back through your AC? It doesn't have an intake in there, um, and I do have a vent in there that the that returns the air into it. Right, um, and, and on occasion I do turn turn it off. So that it doesn't pull air back in. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't have much of a choice because the air conditioner where it pulls the air in is about three feet away <laughs> so from the room, anyways. Wow, you're so, in trouble already. <laughs> yeah. So if it wants the air out of the room, it's going to get it. So. Yeah. All right. Let's see. If you're going to use a window unit like I'm doing in mine, make sure you stay on top of cleaning those filters that are on the front. Um, if you're using your home central system for some reason. Stay on top of it. Take it apart. Yeah. Clean it. Check it. Look for mold. Look for fungus. Um, look for damage, especially uh, corrosion. And especially if you have pets as well, if you use those filter the, the filters on your your home unit, uh, you need to make sure you check them every few weeks because the pets and the moisture yeah. they mix and that salt it it'll just destroy. It, just, it clogs them up. I used it, I mean, for several years. I used the fill treat. Mm -hmm. That's a very expensive. You know, I was using like whatever. I forget yeah. the number. It was like fifteen hundred something. Yeah, and it was very very fine. And that thing, it was expensive. I mean, I was paying like fifteen dollars a filter yeah. per month, and I changed them, but I kept everything out of the AC. I didn't want to run my AC because the AC is very important to me. <laughs> yeah, living in Texas, we need cool air and for a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention, you mentioned you have these large reservoirs to hold your water. You are aware there's a risk something could get into the water, and you check for it, and you clean the containers occasionally? Yeah, and with, like, with the, the containers being open, especially, like, the tanks being open, mm -hmm. the, the only dust that really gets in there is the dust that maybe falls from a fan, but, you know, you try to keep the fan clean, the, the, the actual ceiling fan that's in there. Um, as for the containers, you know, the, where my RO vat is, I'll, I'll take it apart every once in a while, I'll take it outside of the backyard. I'll hit it with the pressure washer, keep it clean. Uh, it's just a good idea. You always get a film of something in there, of dust or just stuff that may have traveled through the auto machine and got, you know, sticks to the walls and stuff. So it's good It's good to keep them as clean as possible. And for the RO water, does it need to be circulated or are you happy with it being stagnant? Uh, I've done both. Uh, it almost seems like the results are the same either way. Okay. Um, in fact, the problem with it is, though, circulating it, if, it's how you to do it. If you buy a brand new pump to circulate it, you're committing a pump just to circulate RO water. 
And if there is some type of contaminant that gets in there, it's just going to cause it to circulate faster rather than maybe sit at the surface. Um, The other thing is, you know, a lot of people would use the same pump to mix salt water that they flip over and put in the RO vat to keep it, you know, circulating. Right. If you do that, you're now just, you made the vat dirty. You're just contaminating your vat. You got to clean it twice as fast. Yeah. So, uh, pretty much leave it stagnant. Um, I so just the salt water mixing barrel is always running. The, the salt water mixing barrel it pretty much runs. You know, if it, when it's full. But basically, what I do is I'll, uh, you know, I'll fill the RO vat. Then when I'm getting ready to planning for a water change. I will take the water out of the RO vat into the saltwater vat, mix up the salt water. Yeah. It runs 24-7 until time for the water it's, until it's used. Yeah. Uh, it's used, and then I either fill it right back up with just RO water, and then I'll leave it sit again, or leave the pump in there, leave it just turning just the RO slightly salted water. Yeah. Or I'll leave it drained and uh, either clean it then or just leave it empty for a while. How long do you think you mix your salt water normally? Um... It, I always mix a minimum of 24 hours. It's just I was told years and years ago that you know that you need to do that to make sure that the, the salt mix properly, that the ammonia is released from the, the, the salt mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always, always mixed salt water for at least 24 hours. Uh, on average, it can go from salt water can be in my mixing barrel before it's used for a week to two months. You know, where, that long till you finally get around yeah, to it. Yeah, sometimes it'll be, you know, two months. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But on average, it's at least three or four days, typically. Yeah. Um, uh, usually the max is, is a week. If It depends where I'm mixing the water to. If I mix it in the big vat out in the garage, they can sit out there forever because it's not in the way. If it's in the house, it's usually max a week. So, okay, the garage is hot in the summer, but it's not in the winter. So are you mixing it for a long time in the in, winter? In the winter. But in like, the summer, it, you're done in no time? Exactly. <laughs> if right now, if I was doing – well, in fact, in the summer, the the garage is so warm that yeah. the, the vat – I have to move the 75-gallon vat into the house. Yeah. And I mix the water in here to use room temperature. Yeah, that makes more sense. In the winter, I can heat it easier than I could cool it in the summer, sure. obviously. And plus, the pumps are heating it as they're turning it. Yeah. So depending on the size of the pump you use and the, the amount of heat it conducts into it, it's going to heat the water. But so in the winter, I can heat it out there. It it just takes longer to, to heat it. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll take you know on, on a two hundred ten gallon vat, it could take a week to get it up to temperature to where it could come into the house to be pumped into the, the tank itself. Direct sense. Um, but it's so another summer. good reason to have a big fish room so you have room for these containers where they're at the yeah. right temperature. And if I had a little bit more room in my in my fish room, I would put one of the vats in there. But yeah. I mean, the vat itself is probably three feet around, um, so yeah. that's just taking up more space. And that you know, being six feet tall and three feet around, it, it just takes up space. You know, and I don't I use that space for other things. You know, things that are less or more sensitive. I'm sorry, more sensitive to the the temperature changes. You know, the the, the polyurethane vat that's out in the garage isn't really that sensitive to heat changes, temperature right. changes. But, you know, a chemical might be. So I keep the chemicals or, you know, my tank gun or something in, in the, the fish room. That makes sense. You know, and, and that's a good thing about the fish room is the different uses that things can go in there. You know, the, I have the, you know, five different Tupperware containers that, that hold my tape guns and my miscellaneous plumbing parts, you know, PVC parts, the metal clamps that you may use, you know, everything under the sun, pieces of electrical wiring, you know, frag plugs, frag glue, acrylic glue. See, I find the fish room, in my case, even with the vent fan, I'm still having issues with just humidity and dirt. I'm to the point where I pretty much take, I would like to take all dry goods out. Mm -hmm. I would like to have my quarantine tank in there, 
maybe a species-only tank, and then a barrel of salt water. That would make me happy. Yeah. And, and I could move... Uh, I do have some of my dry goods underneath my main tank, which that's the good thing about having an empty tank underneath. I can put whatever I want to yeah. there. Um, test kits and everything be stashed. Yeah, and, and I thought about putting shelving in there and using it as test kits and whatnot, but I, I haven't ever gotten around to that point. Right. Um, the, the fish room works good. That's why I keep them in the Tupperware containers because they are kind of sealed away from the moisture. Good point. Um, I, I go to Office Depot and I buy the ones with the drawers, the little three and four drawer sets. Yeah. And while they're not completely 100% waterproof and airtight, they at least keep the moisture out for the most part. I mean, a little bit gets in there, but... Nowhere near as much as it's just sitting out in the open. I mean, right. in a fish room that has no ventilation, if you set a metal clamp on the, on the table, in a week it'll have rust on it. Yeah, it'll rust almost. A razor blade even set there. There's so much moisture in the air. I mean, gallons and gallons of moisture a day with salt in that air. It just eats through things instantly. That's true. So, yeah, that's something you really got to keep in mind is anything metal you leave in there, you know, if you have a refractometer and you don't put it up, yeah. Every time you clean it and put it back in its case or put it in some type of airtight thing, if you just left it sitting out on the, on the ledge of the tank or something, it's going to rust. Yeah, like the ones you see in the fish store. Yeah, exactly. They're ruined. It's going to rust. And, and I recommend to people anytime that you know you use something, anything metal in your tank, you use, take it into the bathroom, wash it off fresh water, dry it off, leave it in the bathroom for a couple of days, let it dry. Yeah. Uh, if you leave it in the fish room, the salt water in the air will just eat through it. Yeah. I so, tend to rinse things off, but I... Just wipe it all down and put it up. I, just, yeah. I need. I only have so many square feet in my house. I just. Yeah. I can't have stuff laying out. It drives me crazy. I like a really clean fish room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not perfect, but I wipe everything down so I can see if things are breaking or if things are not right. Yeah. You know, if something's just kind of off, I can quickly see it. Now, if it was just all encrusted, I yeah. wouldn't be able to tell. I even clean the front of my sump when coralline builds up, so I can look through and yeah. see if the pumps, the intake pumps of the skimmer are clean there's no snail shells like stuck on the intake it's a good idea to memorize things i mean it really is you know take take a picture of your tank you know the, the corals where they're at in your tank take a picture of the sump how, where the level's supposed to be yeah. is it lower today than it was yesterday is it higher you know get a react to it you know it, it, you need to be, you know be proactive i guess is the best way to say it you know as you know when, when you come in you just need to know that you need to know the sounds of your tank too the way the water's That's flowing a good point. i mean yeah. You know, you walk into your fish room, and like every night when I go to sleep and I close my bedroom door, I know what that sound is. I know what the sound is when I close the door, yeah. how what the level should be at, and I can hear something's not right. You, you know? can hear it when it's topping off. Yeah. A few days ago, uh, I was in the, the living room, and the tank was louder than normal, and I was noticing it was getting louder and louder, and I said, something's not right. And it turns out the holes on my dursos had been clogged with salt creep. Ah. So I had to get in there and break the salt creep out, and, and it... It went back to silent again, you right. know. Uh, but that's what basically you got to keep an eye out for. You got an eye out, an ear out. You know, you need to know. Even if at the fish room you walk in, you know the moisture level. You know, you need to know that. Yeah. You know, or when you walk in with your bare feet, you know, or you walk with a pair of shoes and you step in a spot that's more slippery than usual, uh-huh. that means there may be more moisture. There may be a leak somewhere. You know, you need to yeah. pay attention to things like that. So. No, I agree. I, I remember walking into my fish room thinking. Huh, I get, you know, I need to turn that vent fan back on. Yeah. So I flipped it on, and again, it's so quiet I can't hear it unless I crawl on top of the tank and put my ear against the grill. So I assume it's on. I came in, you know, four hours later, and it was really hot, and I was like, what is the deal with this vent fan? I thought, oh, no, the vent fan finally burned up. It's dead, yeah. right? Turns out the breaker had tripped. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's another one of those random breakers in my house. My house has a little bit of electricity issues that I can't always justify, like, 
I'll use the microwave 10,000 times. It works every time, right? Then yeah. this one time it pops and it's the same breaker as the vent fan. <laughs> yeah, and one of the, the I was going to mention one of the big drawbacks to a fish room is that keep in mind it's five times the work. I mean, you, you know, taking care of your own tank and your own sump, you know, you don't have to take care of a sump, but in the fish room, you got to keep an eye on the sump. Yeah. You got to keep an eye on maybe the, I have a skimmer tank where my skimmer sits by itself. You know, and you have to be able to maintain these things. And then the tanks themselves. I mean, in, in your display tank, typically there's three panes of glass you clean. Right. With a prop system in a fish room, I've got nine panes of glass. You know, there's six in the fish room and, and three in the main room. So when I go to clean the glass once a week or whatever, you have to keep in mind that's something on your list you got to do. It's, it's just that much more work. Yeah, you've got that. Yeah. You've got your quarantine tank. You might have a hospital tank uh -huh. that needs water changes, you know, every day. You've got to top them off, maybe. I mean, yeah. it, it's... It's going through that checklist and and knowing do you have the ability to do this? Do you yeah. have the time? Do you have the, the you know the means? Do you want to do it? Do you have the wife, the girlfriend that wants you to do it? You know, it's right. gonna allow you to do it. You know, are you or, or the husband that wants you to do it? I mean, maybe there's wives out there that have their own tanks and right. they, the, the husbands don't like them. And know? then you might be growing live foods. Yeah. Which then what does that lead to? Breeding. Yeah. So now you have breeding tanks. So uh, you have more room, things to clean and wipe down. A fish room's great for rotifers or live phytoplankton. Yeah. It'd be great since we're, we're hatching your own brine shrimp. Right. Brine shrimp stinks though. I mean, it's something you've got to put in. You know, you got to take into account. It's not doesn't smell too good. So if your fish room could have a yeah. sink built in, that'd be great. Yeah. A lot of people have sinks. Mine doesn't. Uh, I just uh, the plumbing didn't line up properly with the bathroom. The bathroom that butts up against it. Yeah. The sink's on the other side. So I've thought about adding a sink to mine. I could get the water. I can get the hot and the cold. That's not a problem. The problem is the drain. There's none. Yeah. So I thought about running the pipe just down the driveway. I'm like, man, really? <laughs> yeah. So and I'm then you start thinking about, yeah, that's not really ideal. And your neighbors yeah. aren't going to look look upon you too happily. I just so. don't need that. And then other things you might want you might want a countertop to work at for like doing your water tests. Yeah, a sinks. Like I said, a lot of people have sinks. It's, it's great to have a countertop, you know, that next to it. Um, any flat surface is always good. You never know when you're going to need always it. Always got to put something down. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I always have a plethora of buckets in my fish room. Yeah. Uh, one's a trash can. You know, one's used for, oh, there's a fish that's not happy. I pull it out and throw some water in there, throw the fish in there. Um, there's one that's miscellaneous parts. Yeah. I've got another one that's shells and stuff like that, dead shells. or I feed a lot of uh, white clams to my tanks. They're not live, but they're frozen clams. Mm -hmm. um, I break those open and feed them to my tanks, and then, you know, you got to take those shells back out. I throw them in the bucket you right. know, a couple of days later. So. I have a bucket full of frag plug or frag yeah miscellaneous plugs yeah exactly or frag rocks and stuff. yeah i've got multiple things like that and then so you know with my system you know it comes out of the 270 it drains into the 60 gallon sump which is connected to the uh the 30 gallon uh, uh skimmer tank mm -hmm. those are connected together and then the from the sump it goes into the uh, 30 gallon prop tank which also drains into the 30 gallon skimmer tank out of the skimmer tank, the water's pulled up and pushed into the 180. You have so many points of failure, it's not even funny. It, the water's pushed into the 180. <laughs> the water drains out of the 180 directly into the live rock vat, which is a 105-gallon rubber made vat. Yeah. The water drive, drives runs out of there in a 2-inch tube all the way around the room, back into the sump where the original water came in from the uh, the main tank. And then the main return pump comes out of that sump as well. Right. So, But that's – it works for me. I, I've never had a problem – uh, a lot of people ask, you know, what, what's your thing you're most proud of in your tank? And I say, I've never flooded the house. Yeah. You know, uh, with 600 gallons, it's a very good possibility to do it at any one moment. Oh, it's true. And Having a fish room 
whether it's behind the tank or if it's down below if you're lucky enough to have a basement. Mm -hmm. There's a nice area to spread out all your goodies and have places to put your things. But at some point, you just have to decide, is this something that fits you? And I think that was a really good point you brought up before, just saying, can that person maintain all this extra work? Yeah, it, and it is. It, you know, it's it's going, you can't just hide it. it it's remembering you got to go feed the fish tonight. Did you feed them last night? You know, I mean, it depends. What do you got of fish you going to put in there? You can put hardy fish, or are you going to put antheas that have to be fed once or twice a day? Yeah. You know, if you put some antheas back in your prop tank, you can't forget about them. Having a species tank in your room. You mentioned earlier you had a seahorse. Yeah, I uh, one point I had a seahorse for a couple of years. Uh, it was an ORA. I think it was an erectus, mm -hmm. uh, but it was orange. He was great. He would eat out of my hand. He'd come up and wrap his just tail around my pinky and eat out of my hand. But that that worked great. For, my 30-gallon was used for that. It was used for species-only tanks. And, yeah. You know, it's been used for fish, you know, quarantine uh, slash acclimation kind of tank. And uh -huh. then corals that may have had problems got put in there, you know, that needed to be left completely alone, basically. Uh, I had my 105-gallon vat got a crack in it. At one point, it's a Rubbermaid vat. It's a big black Rubbermaid vat. And yeah. Got a crack in it. It was had a slow leak. I had to drain it out. Um, that's where my engineer goes. He's got moved into my 30 gallon. They're living in there now. And right. They'll get moved back eventually, but that's where they're at now. So, But by um, having that fish room, you're able to do that. Yeah, and, and I, I can separate fish. You know, I have a I have a real pretty basslet that I've had for years and years. And I, my wife wanted to get rid of it. We took it out of the main display. I didn't want to get rid of it. It's in the, the live rock vat basically now. It lives there with right. a, uh, an aptasia eating file fish, which is great because I had... Mahano outbreak at one point. Mm -hmm. Take the rock out of the big tank. I move it into the, the live rock vat. The Mahano Mahano's get eaten. It's unbelievable. How this aptasian, oh my gosh, these aptasian file fish will just wipe them clean. It's nice. They, they out of nowhere, they're gone completely. <laughs> then I put the rock back in the tank, and you know there's corals on it. I gotta I gotta watch for those corals, but but that's where it, it comes into play. And right. then you know other fish. You know I. I add a big fish to my main tank, and there may be another big fish in there. I like, have a black tang that was being too aggressive. I had to catch the black tang out. He went into the 180 gallon while the new new big fish acclimated. So yeah, as they get used to the conditions, and then the, he'll get moved back eventually. Maybe the rotation continues, or he'll live in the fish room. Forever. Or he'll live in the fish room. That's <laughs> a heck of a nice fish to leave in the fish room forever. Well, Drew, thank you so much for sitting down with me, so we could discuss large tanks. And fish rooms. I feel that it was definitely a topic that you are well versed in, and you know my own experience with a, having a fish room as well has. It's been a learning experience. I remember at first I thought, ah, what's the big deal? It's just a hole in the wall, and you just put your stuff behind it. But there is a lot to consider, and you kind of it's sort of like learning as you go. Yeah, and as it evolves. The one thing I want people to take away from this is that. Keep in mind, fish rooms are nice. They're very beneficial. I mean, it is a lot of work. Yeah, but the main thing you're aiming for here is making that display as beautiful as possible. The fish room can afford you the ability to do that, but it's it's what's in the display. It's not the way you plumb things. It's not how pretty that is. It's not the way your electricity runs or the fact that you have a 100-gallon prop tank and all this other stuff. Right. It's how pretty your main display is and what people see when they come in the door, basically. Yeah, and and the fish room just helps with that. You know, it, it helps tremendously. If a coral starts to struggle or a fish starts to struggle, you can yank it out, throw it in your prop tank. It's you know, and, and let it recover, or you can frag it in there and then move a piece back into the main tank. But it's it's about making that main tank just that much prettier. Yeah, and I, the fact is is that 
The fish room lets your tank be aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. because you've hidden all the gear. Yeah, all, all the junk. And you've created a, a larger water volume because you're able to stash a lot of it behind to increase that water volume, to dilute the water, to get away with the, like your massive feedings you're describing. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of it. You know, A lot of people come in and they'll, they'll season them my prop tank and say, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Why isn't it in the main tank? I said, it's just not ready yet. Yeah. You know, the main tank, it's not ready for that spot yet, you know. And, and that's a big part of it is that, you know, like I said, you know, I had Mahano's getting my big tank, and I was able to. It gave me the ability to pull a rock out, put it somewhere else, let it get cleaned off, and then I could pick it back up, put it back on the main display. And you know, if I ever had to tear down my big tank, the the fish room allows me for the ability to tear the entire tank down, move it into the other tanks. Wow! Let them run, reset the big tank up. So, like you were about to do with the six line, which I was very close to doing the six line. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Uh-huh. Hi, I'm Dwayne. I'm an addict. Um, this has been a problem for near 20 years now, but only serious in the last four since I got into Reef. Um, I've been going to monthly meetings for about three years, um, doing everything I can to keep it under control, but I keep going back out. Thank God you started this hotline. I can call in when I'm at my weakest and ready to go back out and do it again, buy more corals. My wife has had it. I, she can't take anymore. I just keep spending and spending and spending. I don't know what to do. Um, thank you for lending an ear, and I will call back in when I'm at my weakest. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm just calling. I've got a uh, two-gallon Pico with a 16-ounce sump, and I'm fixing to add an Imperator Angel and a couple of tangs. I was just wondering what do you think could be the best way to acclimate those suckers. Thanks a lot. I'm an addict, he's an addict, she's an addict. Wouldn't you like to be an addict too? A reef addict, that is. We're talking corals here, baby. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm calling about some advice that I took uh, off of one of the websites that I believe you run. It uh, told me to, uh, to be pouring some bleach into my tank and just walk away and that would take care of everything. Well, it seems as though everything is kind of melted away and, and uh, it doesn't seem like I maybe added enough or added too much. But anyway, uh, I would appreciate uh, some further explanation on this pouring bleach into my tank and walking away a bit. Uh, don't, don't know what to do at this point. Thank you. What part of and walk away did you not understand? You don't come back. You pour in the bleach you walk away. You're done. Sayonara. Goodbye. Thank you.